0: Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast, featuring Rusty R.E. Lewis twenty
1: eleven and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode fifty three of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and today, is Sunday, nine forty a.m. I'm joined by my forever co-host, God of Golf, Ryan. What's going on, man? <laughs> That's what I'm called. The GOG original gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and I went golfing yesterday because he has a scramble with his uh, his workmates, uh, co-workers. Supplier. Oh, your supplier. Yeah. Okay. And I don't want to look like a fool, but I have a month left. So well, as long as you crush it 255 yards like you did in the last hole, you should be fine.
0: Yeah, I was looking at that the, the women's PGA that's like a good hit for mm-hmm. a drive. Guys are like... 270 to like 320 so i have some ways to go but i i can hit off the ladies tees
1: yeah well you crushed it um multiple times and i would say in hole 18 it was actually relatively straight yeah yeah i'm getting better it took me 18 holes but (laughs) (laughs) so how was your week overall good stuff work living the life living the dream hate your job well some of that but mostly
0: my car has been like in and out of the shop so it's having trouble turning over i just replaced the battery and we were thinking it was like the uh starter Mm. went in tested it completely fine and then i think thursday or friday i got it home went to the gym so it turned off turned on fine then went to kroger's to pick up some pizza and a steak and it basically didn't start I was like, cool, thanks, Service Center, for doing your job and not finding anything. And so now I'm just gonna go back to the van mm-hmm. and I'm gonna have to buy a car today. Dude, I love spontaneously dropping twenty five grand. Yeah, so the car I'm looking at a two thousand nineteen Honda Civic EXL Navi, mm-hmm. which is like twenty six grand, which is pretty expensive.
1: Yeah, but you because drove Because it, it was gonna
0: be like a hey, chill at home kind of weekend, not drop grand, mm-hmm. but now I have to.
1: Yeah, but you drove mine, mine yesterday. Mine's a two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Smooth ride though.
0: Yeah, so I was debating between a CRV and a Civic, mm-hmm. and they both have the same engine, a one point five liter. But I don't know what it was. I like the CRV. It's good size, and for like a dog. Yeah, like, if you do get like, like a want, husky or something but sizable, I like the lower ride. The CRV is like more front than I'm used to. Like the front of the vehicle. I'm oh, used to like yeah. an old Honda Odyssey, which is basically straight down, or a Civic, which is pretty short in the front. Yeah, yeah, just sitting up high and then seeing all of that car in front of you kind of freaks me out. And then it was a little bit louder than the Civic is with road noise. So.
1: Yeah, my dad has a Ford Explorer. With just, it's just a huge chunk of like metal that I just, there's yeah. no way I could drive something like that. It would just give me too much anxiety. That's why a lot of props to semi-drivers and school bus drivers. Oh, there's no way. Couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, even, like, moving vans.
1: Yeah, no way. Well, like, a U-Haul? Yeah. Like, your dad, I think, when we moved, drove the U-Haul both times for both Lauren and myself, and did you have a U-Haul for you when you moved? You didn't have a whole lot of stuff. No, no. We just used the van and stuff. Yeah, it was, like, eight trips over a Saturday. Oh, yeah, I remember that, because you and I drove that same road eight times, and then what did we end up doing? Mongolian barbecue or something? Yeah, Mongolian barbecue. That was worth it. And just food for days. Well-deserved. But they got rid of the, um, the steak.
0: That you could line the bowl and make steak walls mm. and then fill up your bowl and get more food. They got rid of it probably because of that approach you? or the strategy yeah. <laughs> employed
1: by us. Well, I had a good week. Yeah, good. I saw Queen plus Adam Lambert on Tuesday, as I mentioned in the last podcast. You know, a lot of people said that, uh, I think too, Sean and Travis both said that they wish they could have seen Queen in the Freddie Mercury days. And trust me when I say that I'm right there with you, Freddie Mercury is irreplaceable. He was one of the greatest, arguably the best frontman that could hold thousands of people in the palm of his hand and can basically control them with yeah. his voice. And while I, Adam Lambert cannot do that, I think the guy has so much energy and personality and he kind of balances that... Uh, flamboyancy? That's a word, yeah, right? That's a word. That flamboyancy and passion and energy into the, sh- the show. And he makes the songs somewhat sound like Freddie, but he also makes it so much his own that it was such a terrific show. They played any classic Queen song that you can think of. Crazy Thing Called Love, Seven Seas A Ride, Killer Queen, Fat Bottom Girls, Bohemian Rhapsody, anything you can possibly think of, they played it. They ended the show with... They ended the first set with um, Radio Gaga, Fat Bottom Girls, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's how they closed the show. And then, so to kick off the show, they had this giant royal crown surrounding the stage. And oh. it was hung by strings. And so to start, you had this giant picture um, projected onto the screen of Brian May, the guitarist. And he was kind of in this you know power stance with a guitar. And then, of course, he came from underground... To the stage and started playing Seven Seas of Rye. Um, Or maybe it was uh, Headlong. I can't remember what song they started the show with. But the giant crown like lit up in gold and then rose as the rest of the bandmates kind of came forward. It was really pretty That's cool. cool. Um, but anyways, that came back down once the show ended with Bohemian Rhapsody. And they projected a 30 to 45 second clip after, of course, they were like, okay, this isn't the end of the show. Queen's definitely going to do an encore. And they played about 26 songs in the original set, which is nuts. Because I saw the Killers, I don't know, must have been a month ago, and they played the flu. That's right. They played like 13 to 16 songs. I think about 16 with encore. Queen played 26. Now, keep in mind that they did blend some of their songs. So they play about one and a half to two minutes of a four five minute song. Yeah, and then they seamlessly transition that and blend it into other songs. That's smart. They did that a couple times, which I don't blame them. I still got a two-and-a-half-hour set list of Queen. But anyways— And ended, you got to see Queen. Yeah, so. exactly. Brian May is still rocking out the guitar, shredding, and the man's 72 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. Ridiculous. And Roger Taylor still has a terrific voice. He's jamming on the drums like there's no tomorrow. Good stuff. But anyway, so this giant royal crown goes up—or before it goes up, I'm sorry, like I was getting at, there was a 35-to-45-second projection of Freddie Mercury— you know how he does the dee da dee da, da, yeah. da da so he, there was 45 seconds of that and it was just at the very end again he has the crowd in the palm of his hand they're all of course replicating or mimicking whatever he's saying and at the end he's just like fuck you and then just walks off stage <laughs> it was just really cool and everyone was just like erupted in just noise and right as he said that they started playing we will rock you so nice. the crown rose and they played we'll, we will rock you and we are the champions to end the show and it was perfect. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it was a really great show. Um, really, nothing I could say that was bad about it. Adam Lambert's range—it's crazy—took me by surprise. Like I was absolutely floored when he sang "Somebody to Love." Mm-hmm. Like he was holding notes for—it seemed like thirty seconds—and it was effortless for him. It was, and there was no auto-tuning there was no lip-syncing going on it was just raw pure talent
0: yeah i saw him after he won american idol
1: or i think he lost he came in second second place place. which is like i feel like it's a curse to win because there's very few people that have won kelly
0: clarkson and carrie underwood are the only ones that are
1: carrie underwood came in fourth place oh did she yeah
0: well that sucks yeah well there was that one another like southern Belle kind of girl who is now doing things
1: miranda lam no not miranda lambert um
0: Miranda something. She yeah. Has blonde hair. And then, yeah, I saw Lambert. Well, it, like of What is it? Clay Aiken ran for Congress. Did he? Yeah. I don't know if he's... Or Senate. I don't know if he won. I think
1: Ruben Studdard, who came in first that year, I think, and Clay Aiken came in second. Or maybe it was vice versa. I can't yeah. really remember. I think Ruben Studdard has a pretty prominent uh, voice in the R&B, hip-hop Kelsey. kind of scene. Is that the one with the gray hair? No, that's Taylor Hicks. Okay. He's saying, like... Can I make you proud or whatever? Yeah. But other than that, I don't know what the guy's doing. Yeah, I don't know. He's... Reuben Stutter was he's the... He's probably an accountant. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ruben Stutter was... a
0: fallback. Ruben Stutter was the big, big black dude. Oh, okay. The big teddy bear. Yeah. Well, I saw Lambert after he lost, apparently. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a... He has so much energy. He does. Back in high school, I think it was. Yeah, no, it was yeah. good stuff.
1: Uh, excellent show. If you can get out to see... Queen plus Adam Lambert, I doubt Roger Taylor and Brian May are going to be touring for much longer. I watched a couple interviews with them, and they said that um, they love Adam, and they think that he embodies um, a lot of Freddie Mercury in him, and so that's why they've been touring with him for eight years now, which is nuts, Yeah, Um, because they previously were touring with the lead singer of Bad Company, I want to say. I can't remember who, but he couldn't really... He didn't have the range that Adam Lambert or Mercury did. Yeah. But anyways, if you can get out and see them while they're on tour now, definitely do it because I don't imagine them being on tour for much longer.
0: Yeah, hopefully I get to see them.
1: Yeah, you should. I'll definitely go with you if they come back to our city. Yeah, no, I'm game. Anyways, Ryan, we have a lot to get to this show. Yes, we do. We're going to talk about golf. We had some fun yesterday. We can talk about our score if we want to. Um, it's been a while since we've done a Hot Off the Presses news segment for Otaku Brothers. Mm-hmm. So I've got five hot news articles to talk to you guys about. Hot, dripping, and sweaty stories for the listeners. <laughs> That's right. We're coming in strong this time. We actually prepared for this episode. Yeah, we did. Novel thing. We're also going to talk we prepare about... prepare for all episodes. It's just whether it's written down or it's mental. That's right. Yeah. We're also going to revisit the games we plan to play <laughs> this fall because... Yeah. Ryan and I have shifted approach for the games we want to play because there's a lot of stuff coming, but there's also a lot of stuff that we have had newfound interest in playing. So yeah. we'll get to that. The games we've been playing recently, we never forget about that segment. We've got 15 Instagram questions as of the last time I looked. Holy crap. <laughs> I think eight of them are due to ChronoLink 91 Alec, okay. friend of the show. Tarker yeah. on podcast. Check him out. Link in the show notes. We've also got an RPG extravaganza segment that we talked about last episode, Mm -hmm. so we're going to get to that. Rusty's Retro Recommendation, 45 episodes coming, I promise that we're going to eventually get to it. If you hear Scooby in the background, I apologize, he's joining us today too. And then we're also going to do a- Special guest, Scooby. That's right, the dog. He's looking (laughs) at- He looks
0: really sad. He does. (laughs) He's like, Why? Why do you hate
1: me? He'll lay down in a second. Yeah. And then I was thinking about a segment last night. I put on a um, a three-hour RPG relaxing music set list mm-hmm. and was just listening to that, drinking an ice-cold beer, and prepping show notes for the show. And I also just had this epiphany that Rusty gets anxious late at night when he's trying to figure out something to watch. Yeah. It's no secret Rusty's a night owl, right? I mean, he stays up relatively late, uh, comparatively to his wife at least. Yeah. Because Lauren's typically in bed by like seven. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock max.
0: Yeah, because she has to walk the dog at like 4.
1: She does. Yeah. So I have night duties with Scooby. But anyways, I was thinking, you know, I go over to our movie TV show shelf, and oftentimes I'm like, do I want to watch this, that? I can never decide, and I always end up going with something safe, which is typically one of the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. I'll put that in. I'll browse. I was
0: feeling that actually yesterday.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah, but
0: I only have the first one, and I don't, I was I feel in like number three. But Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite. I have number one, and I have the first and second half of the last one.
1: Okay, okay,
0: good stuff. I was feeling something in the middle, though. Well, I can I can hook you up. I went with Full Metal
1: Alchemist. Oh, nice! Just another safe, good stuff. But anyways, I thought of a segment where, depending on what's recommended, maybe every three to five episodes, Ryan can pick either a TV show or movie for me to watch. Yeah. And I have to watch it and then report back in the podcast of what it is. And we call it Night Owl Media.
0: Yeah, fun I'm little segment. Totally
1: game. We're both involved. You get to pick something for me, and then we could talk about it mutually on the show. Yeah, I have some ideas. All right, good stuff. We'll get all to all that later in the show. But Ryan, hot off the presses, we've got news to talk about. All right. First news segment we got to talk about is Disney Plus. We've known about it for a while, but there's been some recent things. Surfacing that make this service a little bit more enticing. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to uh, you know, square one and what is Disney Plus. So this is launching November 12th this fall in the US. Pricing will be $6.99 per month or $69.99 per year. However, recently Bob Eager, I think CEO of Disney, yeah, announced that there will be a $12.99 a month bundle that will not only get you Disney Plus but it'll also get you ESPN+. Plus, and I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure if that's pre-recorded ESPN shows from the day or if that's live streaming of particular sporting events. I'm not clear. And also, ad-supported Hulu. Again, that's $12.99 a month. And that's Ad only supported in the Ad-supported or without ads? Ad-supported. Okay. So you'll probably have to wait, wait, watch 30-second ads between TV shows, which isn't... No, it's like two or three times throughout the show. And that's fine with me. If I watch an hour-long show and I have to watch two minutes of ads, I'd rather do that than watch The Walking Dead on AMC where I'm getting seeming like 30 minutes of TV show and 30 minutes of t- uh, t- uh, ad breaks. So. Yeah. So Okay. I'm okay with that. Scooby, what's up, bro? It's, Dude, a, it's all good.
0: We're trying to ignore you so
1: you don't do that. <laughs> Scooby, come here.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm going to probably cancel my Hulu and we can
1: yeah we'll We'll team up this disney plus yeah um so i'm really excited about this what makes me over the edge excited is an announcement that we'll get to in a second but i also brought up what we're getting at launch with disney plus because certainly okay a lot of disney stuff but what does that actually mean i'm gonna fly through this ryan yeah tv shows day one we've got amazing planet andy mack seasons one through three boy meets world the entire series brain games dog whisperer with caesar milan dr k's exotic animals that should be interesting dr oakley yukon vet drain the ocean ducktales the original series earth live encore forky asks a question i wonder if that's a toy story segment goof troop great classic disney show great migrations ryan this one's for you high school musical the musical the series oh yes howie mandel's animal dogs
0: zach efron Mm.
1: ryan here's one actually for you kim possible okay nice Malcolm in the Middle Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy an animated TV show didn't know that existed bunch of Marvel stuff let's see we don't really care about any more of this stuff Star Wars Rebels Star Wars The Clone Wars the entire series nice. That's So Raven the new The Mandalorian John Favreau directing I want to see that of Lion King and Jungle Book and Iron Man fame the entirety of the Simpsons TV series what is up that's exciting news bunch of other stuff we don't care about As far as Marvel movies day one, we're getting Captain Marvel, Ryan's favorite, Iron Man, (laughs) Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, Pixar, everything except for Toy Story 4, which will eventually come once that releases on Blu-ray and DVD. Very nice. Heck yeah. Star Wars, episode one through seven, The Phantom Menace through Force Awakens, and Rogue One. I'm assuming we'll eventually get Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, once the contract ends with Netflix. And then Disney movies, we are getting just about everything let me get to the piece here it says according to the hollywood reporter the disney service will start with quote unquote around 500 films from the disney library as well as around 7,000 episodes of disney tv fair
0: <laughs> yikes
1: disney plus launch offerings will include the 13 films signature collection including such classics as johnny aladdin tsunami. bambi the lion king johnny tsunami and right Hatt- yeah. what's another uh Hercules. Disney show. No, I was thinking of a, a Div- Disney TV show movie. Um, Xenon. There it is. Xenon's going to be on there, too. Because we are the boys in motion. That's right. 18 Pixar films oh, will be... Oh, al- that's so Raven. Balls. That's okay. We're forgiving on the Otaku Brothers okay. podcast. <laughs> 18 Pixar films will be available at launch, with Coco, Incredibles 2, and Toy Story 4 arriving later. The delayed availability of Coco and Incredibles 2 is likely tied to Disney's Netflix contracts. Yeah. So... That's exciting stuff.
0: That is really exciting. I think currently Disney owns, I think, 49% or 51% of of uh, Hulu.
1: Oh, I was going to say...
0: Okay. Do you say, like, human centipede?
1: No, I was going to say, like, all of humans. They own us.
0: Yeah, probably, with Mm -hmm. all their um, acquired companies. But yeah, I think that's... It's, like, the more adult version. Like, Handmaid's Tale, don't see that going well with, like, young kids.
1: Probably not. I wonder if they... You might have just said this, and I completely ignored you. That's cool. It that happens. I wonder if they're going to have some kind of Disney mature piece. To That'd be us. Hulu. Okay, yeah. that's what you're saying. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, like, *Handmaid's Tale* is a tough watch, mm-hmm. but it's really good. Mm-hmm. But like, so I'll probably end up recommending that to you, but you're gonna have to definitely break it
1: up. Okay, it's yeah. a long show, or just it's too intense. No,
0: it's really intense. Okay,
1: that's like, fair. Some of the shit is pretty effed up. Okay. Uh, so, going along with Disney+, Plus, it was recently rumored, we have no confirmation from the actor, Disney, or anything else, but hello there. Ewan McGregor, Ryan, Yes, is reportedly back as Obi-Wan in a new Star Wars series on the Disney Plus streaming service. Details are understandably a little thin on the ground. The word is that there's potentially going to be a lot of money involved. The House of Mouse, after all, doesn't do things by halves. The yeah. article that I'm reading goes on to say... As first reported by renowned Star Wars insider Jordan Mason at Cinelinks and later confirmed by Deadline, it appears that McGregor is in line to return as the Jedi Master he played in 1999's The Phantom Menace, Ryan, just in case you can't do math, that was 20 years ago.
0: Wow, it was that long ago?
1: The original report says that McGregor has already signed on the dotted line, though nothing has been confirmed yet. Talking of complete lack of confirmation, there's no plot, title, release date, or cast that's been revealed at this very early stage. Though D23, Disney's Fan Expo, is a week away. There's potential for a big announcement to arrive during the Disney live-action panel on Saturday, August 24th. Let's hope that we not only get a Ewan McGregor confirmation TV show for Disney+, Plus, but we get another trailer for the rise of skywalker
0: yeah that would be the perfect time mm-hmm. like avengers has died down it accomplished its goal mm-hmm. of like what most grossing movie or highest
1: grossing movie of all time past avatar
0: yep yeah so now they can start marketing this movie that's coming up in a couple months
1: and i think it makes the most sense to do it in september because once you get to the august time frame to release a trailer my guess is they're going to have a final trailer in november yep. like a month before the movie goes out What's up, Scooby? Yeah, he's excited for the trailer, too. He is. It makes sense for them to do a September, so you kind of have a what a four-month gap between that and... I'm almost tempted not to watch
0: these upcoming trailers for, like, spoilers. Like, we saw the initial one where it's vague and, like, she hops over a, a TIE fighter, and, like, anything now could potentially like ruin stuff.
1: Like- I think Disney and J.J. in particular has been very careful with spoilers. I feel like the last Jedi trailer... Ryan Johnson did a lot more teasing to make people think certain things were happening when they really weren't. Like when Rey said, I need someone to teach me my place in all of this. And then you have Kylo holding out his hand. Now, technically that scene did happen, but that wasn't the dialogue that she had. That was the scene, of course, after Snoke's been killed and he's like, rule the galaxy with me. So JJ, I don't feel like did that with his trailer. I remember Force Awakens. Actually, this is funny. I've tried to go back and find this tweet many many times but i can't find it because i tweeted it back in like 2014 before the force awakens released the first trailer that they released for that i tweeted it and the star wars twitter account and disney twitter account retweeted me and i had like over a hundred thousand likes and retweets and stuff like that wow it was pretty cool i was excited
0: yeah you're basically like a twitter master
1: basically i was an influencer if you will yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I'm really excited about this. Next week, I don't want to, you know, get my expectations too high. But hopefully we, at the very least, get a confirmation that Ewan McGregor is going to be in. Yeah, that would be great. This new Disney Plus TV series. Ryan, we're talking about Star Wars. You might as well just go right into this. Don Williams. John Williams' brother, apparently. Yeah. I thought this was a joke, but this is actually real stuff. And he composes music as well. He actually helps his brother. So, an article released or I guess an interview between Don Williams and someone. Let me dig into this article here. Let's see here. Comicbook.com reports Williams' brother, Don Williams, appeared at a score study celebrating the music of Jurassic Park, where he offered some hints on the upcoming Star Wars movie soundtrack. Don Williams claimed that while his brother is just starting work on The Rise of Skywalker, the score will include every notable Star Wars theme. Quote, this is Don Williams speaking. We've done four days and we've just scratched the surface. I think we've got something like 34 minutes in the canon at this point, but I can tell you that every theme that you have ever heard is going to be compiled into this last effort, Don Williams said. Wow. According to Vice, John Williams announced that last year he will retire from scoring, quote, Star Wars after completing work on The Rise of Skywalker. Makes sense. Don Williams goes on. You got to go look for them. You'll find them, meaning he's speaking, of course, about the different themes, but you got to go look for them. You'll be sitting there watching the film go by and, oh, there it is. There's the two bars of it and grabs you and takes you away. Now, what's really interesting is that he goes on to say that 135 minutes worth of music needed to be written for this movie, which is two hours and 15 minutes. So Last Jedi, I think, was two hours and 30 odd minutes, but there was also 20 minutes of Canto Bright, which we all know wasn't necessary. That's very true. So there's really about Two hours and fifteen minutes of meat to that movie, if you will.
0: So, well, and the chase scenes were kind of. Well, I'm just trying. That's just music. So there's scenes without music. Mm-hmm. So it's at minimum two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, I mean,
1: I was honestly hoping because JJ's at the helm of this like that a we'd six-hour movie that we'd get like a three-hour movie similar to End. Got the Witch King, random deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, make it like an extended cut Lord of the Rings thing where you have like a yeah. four-and-a-half-hour movie. I mean, if you're going to have every piece of music or every notable theme in this film and you're wrapping up this entire Skywalker saga that began in 1977, I think it makes sense to do it justice and certainly cut the fat. I don't want a bunch of filler, but if you're going to do the entire saga right and do justice for all of these characters over the course of these eight previous films... First of all, it's it's a massive undertaking that I don't know how JJ's is doing, but um, I just think you got to have a long movie. Yeah, you do. Three hours
0: at least. I'd I mean, to- if Endgame is three hours, and yeah. that's the wrap up of a crap ton of films.
1: This one should be a long, like well thought out. And I understand you don't have as many moving pieces because with Marvel you have like forty prominent characters, and with this yeah. you really only have like Luke, Leia, Rey, Kylo. Um, Finn, Finn, and the other guy with that jacket, General Hux, and
0: hopefully Rose just gets impaled within the first couple minutes. <laughs> I don't
1: think that's gonna happen. No, maybe like so the opening minutes so nice. is Kylo truly turning to the dark side and just forced lightning and forced choking Rose Tico. Oh god, and then like snap her neck, or like maybe in the um inheritance. Maybe
0: every yeah. time I hear a click now, like I think of inheritance. First of all, it's called her heredity
1: it's hereditary heredity I, it, I don't think is a word what i don't think heredity is a word hereditary is the name of the film heredity hereditary say with me ryan hereta hereda terry terry there it is
0: yes every time i hear a click now i think of that like i was at work
1: and then like i just heard it written. And i was like crap they're here yeah anyways all of that to say i'm super pumped for star wars rise of skywalker and yeah. potential um obi-wan tv series Ryan, we got some other quick news articles I want to go through here. Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. Yes. Of course, the sequel to one of my favorite games from this generation, 3D platformer made by Platonic Games, which was kind of an offshoot of a lot of the rare Banjo Kazooie team. We got a release date. Oh, nice. It's coming in October. I couldn't find the exact date. For some reason, I want to say October 18th. That could be completely wrong. I didn't watch the new trailer just because. I don't really do this with movies a ton, but with games that I'm really excited about, I don't want to know too much because Grant Kirkhope and David Wise are returning to do some of the music for this game, and I don't want to hear that music on a thirty-second teaser trailer on YouTube. Yeah, I want to hear that in my living room with the controller in hand, hearing it for the first time because yeah. that's how I played ukulele. So um, it's coming in October. That's added to my list of things to play. Super excited. Scooby is as well. So very nice. Two D platformer, 2.5D. Once you're in the overworld, it sounds like there's some kind of isometric 3D platforming going on, but I'm super excited. Was the that'll first be... one 3D? It was, yeah. Okay, So go back, or very retro kind of feel mm-hmm. to this one. Yeah, that'll be good. And staying in line with the 3D platformer, Ryan, a hat in time is coming to the Switch, and it's getting a physical release. Actually, this is coming on October 18th, so impossible layer. I'm not sure the exact date, but it is coming in October. Very nice. Have you ever heard of A Hat in Time? I have not. Okay, so this came out two years ago on PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and I was watching some videos last night, and why I have not played this game is baffling to me, especially when I was so hot and heavy about ukulele at the time. Yeah. But what this is, is you play as this young girl who is collect going through all of these different worlds collecting hourglasses for her spaceship, or to power her spaceship, and the reviews I was watching, the gameplay footage I was watching, all of the levels and worlds and subworlds looked incredibly unique and varied from one another. The platforming looked top notch. It just looked like a fun, charming, whimsical little 3D platformer. Yeah, it looks
0: pretty cute.
1: And I'm pretty sure you can get it on PS4 for like 15 bucks, mm-hmm. maybe 30. Downloadable. But it's getting a physical release on Switch, so I might get the physical release. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I'm a fan of physical releases.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm old school or like for games that I know I'm going to keep forever. Yeah. I digital is not the same at all.
1: It's not. I mean, especially when I go I see my PS2, PS1, N64 collection. Um, especially PS1 and 2, I love picking up the cases, the jewel cases and the PS2 cases and looking at the back of the box and reading the the whatever dialogues on there, seeing the pictures and just being overwhelmed with nostalgia for some of the certain games that I have in my collection.
0: Well, you can look over and instead of scrolling through a menu of like, oh, what thing should I re-download? It's, you look at your bookcase and you're like, oh, which one of these games scroll through mm-hmm. do I want to play and
1: pull it out. And that's and There's something to, something nice about it. I agree. I agree. Last quick little news article here. I was very vocal, I think last episode, about how much I hated Wolfenstein Youngblood. Yes. Now, Again, if you're the first-time listener here, you'll know, or you're, you won't know, but you'll know now, that I love New Colossus and New Order. It was kind of this revival of Wolfenstein series, B.J. Blazkowicz's character. Youngblood, you of course, plays his two daughters, and it's set a little bit in the future from New Colossus. Bethesda and Machine go- Machine Games have, have a patch for this game. Nice. Things that should have been here day one, Ryan. I'm going to go right down the list for you real quick here. And it's actually caused me to... Pull it off of the pile of things to sell and the pile of things to beat. So here. and then sell, and then sell <laughs> immediately. <laughs> no, literally that's one boss I'm, left. That's what I'm doing. So they've added the ability to pause the game in offline mode. Wow, what a novel cool. concept! The ability. Thanks, to, 1990s. Yeah, the ability to pause. What year are we in? Difficulty adjustments across the board, including boss fights. Wow, thanks. Now I'm not going to be like throwing my controller at the screen anymore. They addressed the feelings of some players that enemies feel like bullet sponges. I heard that was a big problem. So it sounds like they must have literally redone the entire game because every area and every enemy feels it's like a, a bullet, bullet sponge. Swag. Additional ammo throughout the game. That's a godsend because I feel like I would never have had enough ammo. And probably the best, enemies will no longer float midair during the Lab X mission. What? <laughs> <laughs> so you'd literally be walking through this corridor or this area, this warehouse, wherever you were in this lab, of course, Lab X, and just be having people floating around, shooting you. Is it zero gravity or No, they space? W- they're they not supposed to be floating. Okay. <laughs> we're on Earth. It's not like plot? No, no. This is just poor game making. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Like, we're, we're okay
0: with, like, the ragdoll physics and death because they're hilarious, but, like, random flying enemies... Eh. you probably should fix that yeah cool loses some of the charm
1: well that's all the stuff that's hot off the presses for me Ryan
0: also the EA did um, crazy monetization for uh, Apex Legends like there was like this axe and it basically cost $170 yikes yeah so people are pissed so I think they just patched that to make it like $150
1: Oh what a bargain guys yeah, Run your sale. <laughs> PSN
0: store right away No you can now buy it with Like in the store with regular earned currency Instead of having It was purely like buy loot boxes With these like elite uh, Cosmetics To get this legendary cosmetics Like so once you got all 24 Of the elite that you had to buy It allowed, opened up your ability To pay $35 for a skin That's stupid yeah, it's pretty stupid.
1: Yeah, I'm never going to play Apex Legends. Yeah, me so. Good stuff. Well, Ryan, do you want to get into the games we plan to play for the fall? Yeah, sure. Do you have your list ready?
0: I have it mentally ready. All right, well, go for it, dude. Yeah, so in about a month, we have Borderlands 3 coming out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. Um, after going through making these RPG lists, I really want to play an RPG. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's trying to get closer to the platinum on Skyrim on my main, like my main character on the PS4 or what, but I want to play something for a little bit. I still have tales of uh, Vesperia Mm -hmm. to play before Borderlands. And then after Borderlands, Nino Kuni comes out like a couple days later. So I think you're pushing it to December.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a December game. I feel like I'm going to love, you know, when it's December, I can open up my windows, see the snow falling and just get lost in the, grand jrpg yeah i'll probably do the same Mm -hmm. so then um november is going
0: to be pokemon yes which is going to be a lot of time spent in that Mm -hmm. um and then december will be because that'll last a month or two yeah yeah and then december will be Neokuni. good stuff that's a solid list so let's uh and i'm not following the schedule apparently at all that i made a long
1: time ago for that one episode, that's fine. I'm not either, and that's what I'm about to go through. So in May, I'd originally planned to play Spyro Reignited trilogy, at least one of those games, and I ended up beating the first one. Modern Warfare Remastered, Battlefield 4, I beat both of those. Bubsy Paws on Fire, that game is utter shit. I'm not gonna finish that. It's basically a um, uh, endless runner game, mm-hmm. and it's just terrible. I'm not gonna complete that. It was didn't do the character justice. It was rushed, piece of crap. It was just a quick cash grab. I can't believe they charged $30 for that. God of War on the PS4. I never got to that. Um, That's on my list of games that I would like to play this year, but I'm not sure I'm gonna get to it, and I'll come back to that list in a second. Uh, Hellblade's Newest Sacrifice. This is a relatively short game. I think it's about six to eight hours. I moved that game to October because it addresses a lot of um, mental, psychological health issues, and it's creepy as all get out. And it just seems like a game that's fitting for October. Yeah. So didn't uh, fit the bill for, or I guess it did fit the bill for October, but I just haven't gotten it to it yet. June, July, I ended up finishing Yoshi's Crafted World, Marvel, Spider-Man, Batman, Return to Arkham Asylum, Sly Cooper 1, Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn. Relatively successful for that those June, July, but I never went back and completed Banjo-Kazooie and DK64. Okay. I'm okay with that. I beat a lot of games. It's all good. August, September, Ryan. Final Fantasy Thirteen. once we get to games we've been playing recently, I'll talk about my progress there. I should still be able to beat that by the end of September. Wolfenstein Youngblood, I don't imagine that taking more than an hour since I'm on the final boss, mm-hmm. and hopefully the balancing that they've done there is allows me to beat the game. My goodness, please. Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition, that's a significant time a, sink, yeah. so I don't know if I'm going to be playing anything else between now and the end of September. Um Borderlands. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell was that noise? I, I just don't know if I'm going to get Borderlands 3 Day 1. Why? I just... I'm re- I guess I can co-op with Ben. But. Yeah, I I want it to see that my biggest drive in getting it, if it wasn't for you and playing co-op, I would not get it. Just because from early impressions, I'm hearing it's just another Borderlands. Like, it, there's really Which no... Which is the point. Yes, but at the same time, if I want just another Borderlands, I'll get the Handsome Jack collection that's like eight dollars right now, and then pay sixty-five dollars for just more Borderlands. Yeah, I've I want to wait. It, so. I want to wait for reviews. If it's getting like eight five and above, eight above, and people are saying like there's some really distinct features that set it apart from two and one, yeah. then I'll get it day one. If people are just saying like, hey, if you're looking for something that is kind of a new experience but still retains Borderlands feel Um, I kind of lost my train of thought I just want it to be a little bit different
0: so I think like Monster Hunter you didn't have the experience of playing it co-op or Smash you never had the experience of playing it co-op Borderlands is one of those ones that you do co-op or boss runs and things together Yeah, and that really solidifies what that game is meant to be or like even um, what is the other one the Bungie one destiny yeah destiny like that kind of stuff is meant to be played co-op yeah so if you play through it single when like we're over leveled then you're gonna lose a lot of that kind of raw nice experience
1: we'll see i mean typically gearbox i don't think they have really ridiculous review embargoes um i'll probably pick it up day one um especially to break up the monotony of the jrpgs that i'll be playing yeah these next two months um I just, I want to be a little bit surprised with the game is all I'm asking. And I think I probably will. Mm-hmm. I just need to, I'm not going in with high expectations anyways, so I think I should be surprised to some extent. Yeah. Um,
0: I just need a good looter shooter.
1: Yeah. The other reason why I'm not adding any other games to this list is that I'm part of the Gentleman's Challenge, um, or Scholar's Challenge, I should say, on the um, Pete's Game Room Forum it's not really his his forum anymore on Discord, but it's kind of the the community that once was. They have a Discord server where... Um, I think I talked about the Gentleman's Challenge where we listed a bunch of games in our backlog. We were paired up with someone. They they chose a game for us to play. I failed miserably with Metal Gear Solid and Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. But we're doing a Scholars Challenge where it's the same thing but with books. Yes. And I was tasked to read Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, because I've never read those books in their entirety, with the exception being The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. So, Lorna and I are going on vacation in two weeks, which we need to figure out recording for those that week that I'm gone. Okay. But, Wow, that's soon. It is crazy. Came up fast. I'm going to be bringing the book there and hopefully reading that, um, maybe to completion. We're going to be sitting on a beach for a week, so we yeah. won't have a whole lot to do but read. Um, but I'm not going to be bringing any portable devices. I really want to focus on one, taking in the vacation, being present, but that also getting lost in a book yeah not getting the flu that would be priority number one yes Yes. definitely um, getting into October I kind of have, have just a ton of horror games and kind of bucket list wish list type games that I want to play Resident Evil 5 6 and 7 I'm not going to get to all of them I would like to co-op either 5 or both with you 5 or 6 with you is that a side by side co-op um, not online it's both we okay. could play on the same console or we could play online Um, Just because I know you didn't like Resident Evil 4. Most people don't when they first play that game because it controls they are weird. They take some getting used to. Mm -hmm. But once you get used to it, it's a lot more fun. And especially co-op, I think you and I would have a lot of fun with that. If you don't want to do that, I'll play Resident Evil 7 and probably crap my pants.
0: Yeah, that looks terrifying.
1: Also, I want to play Amnesia. Terrifying. Dark Souls 1 I want to finish because I have got to the DLC... I'm, like, at the end boss. I just want to polish off that game. Oh,
0: do you beat the uh, other two Lords Ascender? I Maybe. thought you beat two Lords Ascender. Maybe.
1: I can't remember. It's been so long. You
0: beat the uh, Seath the Scaleless, and you beat um, the Bed of Chaos.
1: I did. I remember that. Yeah. So
0: did, there's Nito, who's, like, a Grave Gravelord, mm-hmm. and then there's another one. I can't remember. I don't know what he is, but then you have a final boss, and then the DLC is good. You're at the iconic... What's his face?
1: He's really challenging. Is all I know. Yeah, but God, what is his name? I don't know.
0: Also, want to play electronic, like electronic dog. There's a like electric dog
1: thing that flies around, dude. And then you're talking to the wrong person. I after I put a game down, I basically forget everything about it. Oh, that's basically how my brain works. Like short-term
0: memory, just purge. Yeah, (laughs)
1: because I'm typically moving on to another game, and like how some people can what is his name rattle off character names, and story bits for games they played for 80 hours. It, I struggled to do that, but all the power to those folks that can. I applaud you all. Also want to play Hellblade's Newest Sacrifice. I talked that I moved it to October. I really want to finish this game. I put about an hour and a half into it. Really unique experience. Never played a game like it in terms of... Artorious. Cool. How you put your headphones <laughs> on and you hear these inner voices and these demons that the character is struggling with, and it, it feels like you're in her head it's really bizarre but i want to play that ukulele in, in the impossible layer i'll of course be playing that hopefully getting the platinum trophy last of us 2 i basically scratched out because i don't think we're getting that game until spring of next year yeah which sucks but it is what it is november december i have Nino kuni wrath of the white witch pokemon sword and shield of course legend of zelda Link's awakening the remake of course of the game boy color game game boy game i should say. And Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order.
0: What's the release date for that Link one?
1: September, I think.
0: Okay. God, September's busy. Yeah, it is. I can go through mine really quick, what I planned versus actual. Okay. So in May, I had Marvel Spider-Man, and then the last week, Sekiro. So I beat Marvel Spider-Man. Sekiro never happened, because I'm still mentally preparing. Then I had the Cruise. I ended up also beating, in May, instead of Sekiro, uh, Super... Mario Odyssey. Uh, Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost said Superman. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey. And then I played a bit of Crafted World, the Yoshi Crafted World. Never beat that one. Played a bit of Spyro. And then I I played a plant game. <laughs> what? <laughs> I played a game about plants. It was one of those, like... Clicker games? Cool, yeah, clicker games. Okay. Where you, like, do um, plants and stuff. That sounds like and fun. Then I ended up playing Old School RuneScape oh, nice. in June which Sakura was all the way through June until like early July. And then I made a few characters on there. I made Iron Man and things. And then I never ended up getting to Shadow of the Colossus in July. Um, But I started it this week. Nice. And then August I kind of didn't have. But what was planned for this month was Crafted World, finish that one, Last of Us, which I don't know what I'll get to oh, in September, because there's so much coming out in September. Do right? better, Ryan. I'll try. Well, when I know the the second one's release date, I'll have to front load that one.
1: That makes so sense. I go for the
0: first, the second, but because I I think we originally thought the Last of Us Two was coming out in September, which is why I did early September, that or October, yeah, that time yeah. frame. So Borderlands 3 in September, and then Last of Us 2 is what I had planned, but Animal Crossing, Last of Us 2, seems like it's being moved to next year, and then the end of the year is Pokemon Sword and Shield, or Sword for me, and then the Star Wars game, potentially, depending on reviews.
1: Yeah, and yeah, those are definitely subject to change for me, too. Um, I don't... I don't know again depending on length if this is a 6 hour game for Jedi Fallen Order I'm not putting out 65 for that I'm not putting out 60 bucks I'll wait till that's like 20 30 bucks I'm not there's nothing about this games that I've seen so far that's like that is absolutely a day one purchase
0: No and I have a really hard time justifying a game that's like by EA Yes that's the first like criteria of suckage <laughs> Yeah. And then like the next is like if it's 10 hours I mean, I'm playing $6 an hour. Yeah. That's pretty high price. But if you're doing something like Tails, which is 54 hours, it's close to a dollar an hour. I'm getting my money's worth, right? Or mm-hmm. Skyrim, it's probably close to like 15 cents an hour. <laughs> yeah. Or even less. Like Pokemon. I'm being paid essentially <laughs> yeah, like Jesus they're for the number of me. hours like I've put in it, it's now up to 787 almost 7 or oh 88 my gosh. hours and that's on one game yeah. I put 50 hours into Sapphire that's nuts So I played too much of that Pokemon game but like as far as hours and like the amount of time we pay for one like 6 hours for a game at 60 bucks that's ridiculous
1: Yeah yeah EA yeah. yeah, like I wouldn't put it past EA though like that's the sad thing no, then they'll ask you to pay for more stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, DLC, $600 and your firstborn, plus half your house that we're going to live in and try to come up with more loot boxes. That sounds like something they would
1: do. Yeah. Ron, i got to blow my notes. Can you entertain the listeners for a second?
0: Yeah. So, do we want to move on to the next segment, or do we want to go through golf?
1: Um. Yeah, talk about golf. So, we
0: suck at golf, and it was pretty apparent. Um, we went out and had an 8-27 tee time. We got... Uh, jumped around between the first and the tenth hole so we were kind of disoriented which is why we whiffed our first tee or er, um, hits off of the first tee uh, we were with a brother and his son the brother was like maybe tw- eight, late 20s and the son was probably middle school we're like oh this is this will be good like he's going to go off the fr- like, front tees like the senior tees it'll be good and then the brother was like, "Oh, he's gonna he's gonna beat us all." Yeah, and uh, yeah, he did. He birdied the first hole. Yep,
1: and his, we got a bogey. He probably hit like a twenty foot putt too for his birdie. Yeah, like it wasn't like oh. And the the brother was like, "Yeah, he usually doesn't get
0: those. Like trying to make us feel better. Yeah, like trying to help us cope that we suck." Yeah, um. So our handicap by the end was plus fifteen. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, and of course
1: that's seventy two par. We hit 87. You know, I was actually talking to my dad yesterday. He said, hey, how'd the golf game go? And I said, uh, we hit a plus 15. I'm a bogey golfer. And he's like, I've never hit in the 80s before. So I was like, you know what? I feel pretty good about myself. Yeah, I mean, I almost birdied a hole. I whiffed the putt from like two feet out
0: on a par three. But yeah. But that, that drive shot was pretty good, man. Yeah, was it was nice. I was really happy with that. Yeah. Um, so we had two double bogeys. And we had five pars. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we're
1: basically gonna, you know, go I mean, to the we, PGAs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, the ladies PGA. That's probably the more. Or the senior PGA. That's definitely accurate. Yeah, that's yeah, mm-hmm. way better. Um, I mean, for not playing since like last year. I mean, you played in a tournament, right? I played about a oh, month ago. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't played in like year. I think that's pretty good. Like plus fifteen. I mean, we were shooting for at best a bogey on every hole. Yeah, and the the only reason we were happy with or we needed pars was because we got double bogeys yeah. <laughs> on a few. I
1: uh, I think we should definitely go to that par three course. It's super inexpensive. Yeah, and we could go there. Golf f- is so expensive. Once every two weeks and just practice our pitching game. Yeah, and um, at that same course that we played
0: yesterday, the driving range. That's true. You get a bucket of balls, like a hundred balls, and just. well
1: the place has the par three they also have a a driving range yeah yeah
0: golf's expensive i need a driver because i don't have one of those um but but it's a hobby that you should really pick up like i mean for especially for business you kind of need it you don't want to look like a fool like oh hey let's talk about your products as i triple bogey this
1: yeah and you have a beer in hand and you're chilling and it's a good time you know yeah but it was a good it was a lot of fun yeah
0: i we are completely dead you decided not to eat I was the only one who brought water,
1: <laughs> yeah, so we get on the course and I um, I ate the night before at around seven o'clock. Lauren and her friend and I, my dad, were out at our local place. Mm-hmm. ate it at around seven. Um, woke up and I'm thinking like, oh, we'll, we'll get some hot dogs on the course. Won't be a big deal. Yeah. We get to the course, we get into our carts and we start driving to the first hole. And I'm like, gosh, man, I'm pretty hungry. And uh, I was like, I didn't eat anything for breakfast. And I thought you said I have. You you said I had, but I thought you said I have chicken and pizza with hot sauce. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, dude, hook a brother up, man. Where's it at? I was like, open up your bag, and you're like, like, what do you do? Where's the chicken? And I was like,
0: what are you talking about? And I was like, no, I had chicken and pizza for breakfast. Yeah, I can turn
1: into a mother bird and it's little hens and vomit so you can eat my food. (laughs) But like, otherwise, yeah, otherwise you're not eating squat. So I was pretty sad. And then... We get, we finish the front nine, we get on the back nine, we're being held up and the Ranger guy's there and the clubhouse is to the right of us. And we're like, Hey, you mind if we run up there and grab some hot dogs since they were waiting on someone else from the clubhouse to come back down. He's like, Oh no, it's going to, it's going to take about 10 minutes, but there's someone running around the course that has drinks and food. Mm Mm-hmm. She has hot dogs, I'll radio, her, I'll radio her now to catch up with you guys. We're like, oh man, thanks brother. Yeah, good, yeah, good cool. stuff. We'll gladly do another nine holes. So like four holes and I'm like, dude, where's the hot dog lady? And then finally she starts rolling on up. and We I'm see her like,
0: zoom past us like a different like direction. A, yeah,
1: like two holes into, yeah. So I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm like, you got any hot dogs in that cart? She's like, oh no, we don't have any of those. And I just, like, died inside. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: like, shit, we have, like, eight holes left.
1: Yeah, so that was not not good times. And then I wasn't wearing a glove, and my hands got all blistered up. I'm wearing a Band-Aid with some Neosporin now to heal my skin. Yeah. But um, all of that to say it was the best day of my life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we get Chipotle after, and it was just chaotic. Because the one near us is like super busy that was nuts we, we got went in at there. like what 12 no, or it was like, like one o'clock.
1: yeah we were in there for a half an hour just to get our food yeah we I felt get up bad for oh, i felt so bad they were understaffed they had a huge rush of people they ran out of chicken they ran out of fajita veggies they ran out of guacamole and people were furious and the like that were in line of course understandably so but at the same time you have to step into their shoes for a second you're understaffed they probably just beat a lunch rush and then they had a second rush of people yeah it's just you can't help that yeah i'm glad like for the craziness of our jobs i will gladly
0: take that over of like letting a line of people down for like waiting a half an hour
1: for food Mm -hmm. well you can tell i mean the kids were talking under their breath like dude i don't know what to do like we don't have any chicken this person wants chicken i don't think we're gonna get these plus you know now with doordash and uber eats they had a line of like six, seven people on the side waiting for their meals to be made so that they could take them to whoever ordered them. And those weren't being made because they no. were trying to just get the bare minimum of people in the restaurant itself out. So Yeah, it was sad. But
0: but we got our food and I ended up eating it, talking on the phone for like a half an hour with my mom. And then I passed out for like four hours. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so Lauren had to run some errands but not before she passed out on the couch with Scooby just collapsing on her uh, took a picture of that check out on Instagram super cute um Ari Lewis 2011 who went right into the podcast but talking about <laughs> but anyways uh after she left and ran some errands I just was grinding a ton on Final Fantasy 13 you got the a, max level a really great farming spot Pete a couple nights ago streamed n64 because he got this product from eon. That allows you to stream N64 games. Well, it allows you to connect to an HDMI TV. It runs at 480p, which for an N64 console is actually pretty impressive. Yeah. And he streamed a couple racing games. Uh, What did he do? He did uh, Ridge Racer, a game called Roadsters, and then he played Snowboard Kids for like four hours, which was really nostalgic for me because it's a racing snowboard game. So think Mario Kart, you know, you have your little power ups and everything to knock people out off the course and the music is just spectacular and i never had the game growing up but my buddy scott who always had things before me when it was whether it was the n64 the game boy advance sp he was cool basically he was always the one that led me to get certain consoles or games but snowboard kids i never actually had but the music's terrific in that little game yeah so nice um and then you
0: beat a cool... Or do we want to transition into... Game yeah, to we can the get play? into the
1: games we've been playing recently, I think. Was there anything else I had on my list here? No, it was games for fall, games we've been playing recently. Yeah, so I think last week I was through chapter 4 or 5 on Final Fantasy Thirteen. about 8, 10 hours in. I'm about 24 hours in right now. I just finished chapter 9 where you beat uh, Berth- Berthander... What the heck is his name? Berthandalus for the first time? This old man that turns into this mammoth machine thing. Um, it's actually not a very puberty's rough for it some is. of us. Yeah. And sometimes you don't hit it until you're in your seventies. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> late onset. Yeah. Puberty. We call those guys late bloomers. But anyways, he's this mammoth machine of a boss where you have to knock off the like four pieces of his armor and then you just go ham on him the character himself. This is when the battle system in Final Fantasy 13 gets so fun because it becomes more of a strategy rhythm game than it is a turn-based RPG, mm-hmm. because you're switching between these paradigms, and some of them, like if you want to get—the game rewards you for how quickly you defeat enemies and bosses, and you're graded on a scale of 0 to 5 stars. So the faster you defeat the boss, you get more stars. And I'm not sure if that's associated with more experience points, depending on you if you get zero versus five stars. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not sure about that. But I unfortunately was following the guide and still got a zero stars out of five, keeping in mind that I hadn't gotten less than five stars up to that point. Okay. Um, let me take a swig
0: here. So you got zero XP.
1: No, I don't think I got zero XP, but I probably got less than what I could have gotten if I got five stars on this battle. but he's a really fun boss fight because you have to quickly switch to this hero's guard or something like that. Hero's charge. I forget what the actual paradigm name is because once he, once you get the flag that he's going to do the attack called Destrudo, it could potentially wipe out your whole party because he fires like tons of little missiles that can knock out everyone. So you switch to this paradigm where one person's healing, snow if you have him equipped is casting veil which is a status enhancement to protect your characters and fangs the commando so she's still um attacking the enemy mm-hmm. and just it before you have 25 seconds from the moment that he says he's going to use this ability versus before he executes it that you have to switch to another um paradigm i think what is it not stability solidarity which allows i think it's um Lightning's a commando, Fang's a ravager, and Hope heals. And I'll get to the more details about the battle system later on in the show when we talk about our RPG extravaganza. Yeah. But all that to say, it's a really fun boss fight. It becomes much more of a rhythm game if you want to beat him faster. You can do all out a relentless assault um, to kind of speed up the battle. But you have to be careful because, again, his Distrudo ability can really knock out your party quick.
0: Yeah, so the the star system is for rarity of drops. Is it?
1: Yeah. You just looked at it. Yeah. So
0: okay. I think if you get zero, it said shrouds. Is that a thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So for rarity of drop, like five star, it gets you a better chance of getting a drop.
1: Interesting. Okay. Well, that makes sense because the place I was farming, mm-hmm. you got these two materia. And again, I'm terrible with names. I don't remember things. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't do a whole lot to enhance your character as far as leveling them up. But what they did do is if you sold them back into the shop, you can get some mad money. Yeah. So once I farmed this place, I had like 60 of each item and ended up getting like... It's called a gill in the, in the game, yeah. but that's the currency. Um, I must have got like 80,000 gill because I farmed the area so much. Wow. But anyways, I made it to chapter 10. This is just before the game opens up kind of on the earth-like setting where you have those giant dinosaur-looking creatures traveling around. Ooh. So looking forward to that. I'm about, like I said, 24 hours in, but this is when the game really becomes Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. It really opens up. There's a lot more freedom to explore, do side quests, tackle monsters that are just behemoth beings, just gargantuan creatures, um, and some of these battles can take as much as 30 minutes, depending on how good you are with the paradigm shifts. Or an hour and
0: a half in Final Fantasy 15 with a tur- turd, tortoise, tortoise mountain.
1: That's a thing. Yeah it takes like
0: an hour and a half if you're hacking away or there's like some ring that you can insta kill him
1: huh okay
0: yeah that's all i know about final fantasy
1: (laughs) (laughs) i've yeah exhausted my facts good stuff so i'm looking forward to continuing to play that this week lauren is actually going out of town for work tuesday through thursday i think she'll be back friday Mm -hmm. so that means lots of late night walks with scooby Lots of Final Fantasy 13 I'm also going to get my grunt on. I want to get back into working out a little bit more. Yeah. Working out Friday. Feel good. Feel strong. our
0: friend is moving back, right?
1: Dylan. He's moving in tomorrow. We're grabbing food if you want to join us. Oh, very nice. So. Yeah. Yeah. um, And then
0: when is the uh, dog training? Is that Tuesday or Wednesday? That's Wednesday
1: night. Okay. Six o'clock. I'll be there. Pet Smart.
0: You'll have to give me directions, but yeah. We can drive together. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
1: you, You can sit in back with Scoop. Dude, it's going to be a good Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a great little car companion. He's very calm. So, Good stuff, Ryan. Well, what have you been playing this week? Um, as usual, I've been playing Pokemon. I'm going to so... fill up on water. you okay
0: with that? Yeah, it's fine. Um, so I got to the Elite Four in Sapphire, um, which was a lot of fun to replay through that. Uh, my goal for Sapphire is to beat the Elite Four using all shiny Pokemon that I've wonder traded. So I have my team... I think I have a shiny Darkrai, a shiny Deansi, um, shiny, like, bug dude with a gun on his back, um, shiny Kyrim.
1: Gunglave? Is that his name? Genesek. Genesek. Same thing. I don't know where Gunglave, Gun-glave? I think that's, a. Uh, keep talking. That sounds very familiar. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a, um,
0: Gunglave. Hmm. What's a game like Destiny, but it's free? That everyone plays? That sounds like a glaive. I have no idea. Fortnite? No.
1: I don't know where that came from, Gunglave, but it sounds like something It I...
0: sounds very anime-ish. Yeah. Um, so I've been playing Pokemon, and then I started a Pikachu-only yellow version run on my DS. You
1: talked about that last week. So how's
0: that yeah, going? Yeah, so I got to... I beat the SS hand, and then I got to where you need Dude, cut. I
1: love the little... The... The little music that plays once it starts flying or uh, yeah floating away it's like a little flute playing
0: yeah it's, it was a lot of fun to go through that it's such a f- good game it's excellent i'm actually going to talk about that later too and then i got to that and i was going to use cut and i'm trying to minimize the pokemon that i have like my poke deck and i want to beat it with three pokemon only battle only battling with pikachu but having like two hm slaves Mm-hmm. Like, you just only give them HMs, and they can cut or whatever. Surf. Yeah, so I realized I needed a, a slave for um, Fly. cut. Oh. Because you have to get cut into the electric gym in that city. And then also to get to the fourth Lavender Town. What a creepy place. It, it's terrifying. So I needed a Pokemon. I did a lot of, like, which which are good Pokemon, and a ba- lot of the guides are based off of red version. So you could get a... I think it was a pincer or something that you were fishing, but Mm. a lot of it was Route 12, and I wasn't there, obviously. So I restarted because I didn't accept that Charmander. crap. Yeah, I didn't accept the Charmander up there because I'm like, I need to minimize my Pokédex.
1: You get a free Charmander in yellow version? Yeah. Really?
0: Um, So once you go up that bridge above Misty's, he's off to the left, and he's like, I'm about to release this Charmander. Do you want it? And I said no because I didn't want it because i wanted to have one you bastard you're just as bad as that guy that left him out in the rain i didn't abuse him i just said i didn't want him and he'd go back to the wild nicely okay yeah and so i beat the rock jam or i beat brock went through everything again accepted the charmander went through the ssn taught him cut and charmander is good because he can learn strength and cut Mm -hmm. which you need another strength pokemon the only other really one I need is Surf. I can deal without Fly. Can um, you? Yeah, That's it's just, a hell of a lot it's travel. A pain in the ass. But I mean, you could get a few of the Pokemon that could learn um, Cut, Strength, and Surf. Can Charizard learn Fly? Yeah, but I don't want to get all the the Charmeleon and the Oh, Charizard. you can't level them up. Yeah. I, I can't train him, dude. That's a pain
1: in the butt. I don't know why you're doing this to yourself.
0: Cause I will. Cause Ash only uses Pikachu for literally every battle, and I'll see if I can do it.
1: Oh, because you're like, dude. That's a TV. Okay, whatever.
0: I'm not gonna argue with you. Yeah. Either. Well, cause he won the Brock gym by like using water from the uh, like anti or the fire extinguisher system. Mm-hmm. So he didn't actually beat it.
1: Was that your approach in the yellow version as well? I
0: tried. I was like, oh, how do I target the sprinkler system? <laughs> and I wasn't able to,
1: You would light a cigarette or something. Yeah. yeah, actually,
0: the 10-year-old smoking his pack of, like... Marble lights. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. So you for, for Brock, because none of Pikachu's moves really work on him, you get Quick Attack and Thunder Shock. You have to level up your Pikachu to level 20, in the Viridian Forest, uh-huh. and Kakunas are the best way, or uh, Metapods. Um, level 20, you get Slam, and Slam is a 75% accuracy move, so it's kind of a lot of RNG, but you can beat Brock that way. Interesting. So he has a Geodude, and then he has a Onix. And Onix is annoying as shit, because he has Bind. Oh, it's the worst. And then he has like another one where he basically charges up and then explodes. Bide. Bind. Bide. So it's Bind and Bide, right? Yeah, real close. Mm-hmm. Real name variation there. Nice job, poka Freaks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Game Freak.
1: <laughs> I mean, they probably are poka Freaks, <laughs> yeah. but it's
0: Game Freak as the developer. Close. And um, so then I got to Misty. Misty's obviously just easy because you're electric. And you have Thundershock, probably. Yeah, and then Thunderbolt by the time I got there. And I'm beating every trainer so I can get all that XP. Mm hmm. People I'm facing are like level 22, and I'm like level 43 Pikachu. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) And um, because I mean, all the XP just goes into this rat. Um, So I beat Electric Gym, I made it through that rock cave, and I just got to Lavender Town. And this
1: is your second start, too.
0: Yeah. What a boss. So I ended up shaving off 45 minutes to my SSN run for the second playthrough. And I'm about the same amount of time. It's about five and a half hours.
1: You're basically Pete Door, Mr. Speedrunner.
0: Yeah, I mean, people have beaten in like 45 minutes, but I mean, I'm five and a half hours speedrunner. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, close enough. <laughs> to get like through. Not even halfway through. um So I played that, and then I started Shadow of the Colossus last night. I saw you playing that. How is it? Good. I suck at controlling it. Like, I'm. J- I was just pounding the triangle button because that's where you like you smack your horse's ass and it goes faster (laughs) and I I was just like oh my gosh is this entire game going to be like just me pounding the triangle button an ass smacking simulator and like when you don't pound it he just stops like the horse just slowly slows down and stops and I was like god I'm just going to be the entire time and you just like clacking my horse like come on come on you got this (laughs) for like hours and then I realized I could just hold down the triangle button and he just keeps on going at a steady pace like runs around yeah
1: so i will tell you that one of the biggest complaints with this game is the controls or are the controls
0: yeah i'm like i'm went to the first colossi and like you have to hit the back of its feet and i was just they don't really tell you how to like swing
1: your sword or do the light it goes the same way it's very much figured out
0: yeah and like I I see where I'm supposed to do it. It's on like the ankle or like the Achilles heel of this Colossi. I'm like trying to grab on and then it's like stomping me to death or like, it's like flailing around a bit and I can't actually hurt it. I'm like, what am I doing? I died like three times. It's like, I'm going to bed.
1: Yeah. It's definitely going to take patience. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of learning how each Colossus moves and then where its vulnerabilities are. Um, Yeah, it's not a game you're going to be able to casually just surf on through and beat all the however many Colossus there are. 16. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty intense game, but if you can... It's beautiful. If you can figure it out, the controls, many people, including Pete, hold it in the highest of regards. Some even consider it their favorite game of all time. Well,
0: I was really happy with you can manually save it, like places. So I also started Tales of Vesperia, and I got... Like, you're in the first town kind of area, and shit's going crazy because someone stole a blastia or something like that like a blue orb that's like protecting the town from evil Result. as jrpgs <laughs> yeah, go exactly Jesus. they're all like god the world's ending but we got this like magical ring of death and it's like protecting us but someone steals it because they're an asshole and wants everyone to die yeah so um yeah so that's happening and i'm like looking around town they're like oh why aren't you helping us like pick up packages or like clean up the water Like, yeah, I've got better things to do. And then you, like, walk out, and I had to go, I think, to the gym or something. And I was, like, clicking the save button. Like, the same way I did it for Chrono Trigger, and I couldn't save. I think it's because I wasn't out of the main tutorial area. Probably not. So I had to lose all my progress. Yeah. So I lost, like, got, like, 30 minutes of time. Yeah. So I'm going to have to redo that. But, like,
1: I appreciate games that allow me to save, even in starting areas. Yeah, I think, yeah, so to your point. Shadow of the Colossus is not a 60, 70 hour experience. Tales of Asperia, they they anticipate you when you play this game, you're sitting down for two to three hours at a time playing it. Um, so when you're in a tutorial area, it's going to take you 30, 45 minutes to get out. That's just, expect that with JRPGs. All of that to say, I think it does get to a point, again, it's been six, seven years since I've played this game. Gosh, I'm getting old. Yeah. Played that in college.
0: Anyways. Well, I remember seeing Phantom Menace in theaters, and apparently that's 20 years old now. Yeah,
1: I, I remember seeing it in theaters, too. Anyways, I believe it gets to a point where you can pretty much save everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. So.
0: It'll get there. I
1: just have to... I'll probably do that after I try to see if I can buy a car today. Sit down and play that a bit. You should. I think it, it'd be... Once you get to the groove of things, it'll be very much like Nino Cooney for you, where yeah. you can kind of mindlessly watch a TV series, and grind a ton, like, endlessly.
0: Yeah. See, I want something that I can grind. And get I, Like, I did buy a cape. And, like, this is one of the things we're going to talk about in the RPG stuff. Are but, you planning
1: like, on LARPing? Like, what the f- you, you bought a cape?
0: Yeah, I bought a cape in the game.
1: Oh, I thought, like, you were just prancing around your apartment and you're, like, white Dude, I want to and... Lance
0: the Dragon Trainer okay. from Pokemon Ruby. And, um, so I tried to put out my character, and it didn't change his appearance. Like that's one of the big things that oh, I love.
1: Yeah, I see. I don't remember a recall if, with, with Vesperia, but yeah, I don't think your appearance changes. I think yeah, your weapons I, might. I don't know. Maybe I.
0: I just I was like, dude, maybe I get a cape. Like I put on my dude, and I put it. I used all my gold for a cape because I was like, I'm gonna look fucking badass. I
1: have. a... Don't quote me on this, but I really feel like when you change your weapons, those change in combat. Yeah. So, kind of like the Cooney. I, yeah, I think it's very much like Nino Cooney. It's like your weapon appearance changes, but <clears throat> your actual character does not. So. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been playing. So I'll probably play a
0: bit of Skyrim and then some Tails this week.
1: Nice. Yeah, I'll probably focus on <clears throat> excuse me Final Fantasy Thirteen, and then hopefully come back next week with impressions of Yugblood. My voice is like really struggling right now. Yeah, that's Let me take a right. swig of water.
0: I also got two Kyogre, a Groudon,
1: <clears throat> and I'm working on finishing two other birds, <laughs> and then I max out my birds nice, so you can report on that next week hopefully I'll finish Youngblood, yeah. we'll see but I think it's probably time to move into the RPG segment Ryan Yeah. so before we get into the Instagram questions because I really asked to tailor the responses from the audience um, around RPGs kind of quickly lay the groundwork for what Ryan and I did, so last week I kind of pitched the idea that Ryan and I were going to kind of create from the ground up our ideal RPG experience, we kind of strayed from that direction and instead i was like ryan what if we just pick a few different areas about rpgs and from those few different topics kind of list our favorite rpgs under that category and then what about it makes it so special and so i kind of broke it we kind of broke it down into four categories those being story character progression characters and battle system and so i picked anywhere from two to five games for each of those different categories and kind of just expounded upon some of my favorite things about particular games under those categories yep. so that's kind of what we'll get into here in a quick second if Scooby doesn't interrupt us too much um, but before we do that the Instagram, I put out a query before the typically the day before we record the podcast, Scooby knows that I have snacks in my pocket give him one real quick, you can probably hear the crunch there's the crunch um Ari Lewis 2011. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, where, again, I post updates about when the show's going out, topics we're going to be doing, and then typically on Fridays or Saturdays, again, 24 hours before we record, I'll put a query out there asking people to ask us a question about anything or asking you to kind of tailor your response to a particular game. So, first, Dean, friend of the show, fellow uh, Steelers fan, he's been following me for a while now, so appreciate your support, Dean. He wanted to provide a little bit more background to his uh, response. So he actually sent me a, a private message on Instagram and it says, "Well, cuz my question was, if you don't want to ask a qu- us a question, tell us your favorite r- our video game RPG and why." So, Dean said, "Persona 4 Golden is by far my favorite RPG. It has that murder mystery vibe. It has that Pokémon, Yu-Gi-Oh feeling to it when catching Personas." playing through the game you have no idea who the killer is and it's so obvious at the end if you guys have not played it i highly recommend it this is one that keeps coming up and i just have never again the shinigami tensei series the persona series is so scary to me like Why? i just the learning curve for me is the biggest thing the biggest the other component is just the time sink. these games typically don't you can't beat most of them in under 100 hours holy crap and that's just a lot of time for me
0: that is a lot of time
1: um, I mean all that to say I'm replaying Final Fantasy 13 a game that could take me as much as 60 hours to complete um, but that one's sa- it's safe because I know I'm gonna enjoy it yeah um, I don't want to spend 10 hours with a game trying to learn the mechanics and see if it's right for me when I could play another game for 10 hours you know but if Persona 4 is being sung the high praises by so 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 many people, I don't know. Do I get it on the Vita? Do I get it on...
0: Because Persona 5 is the newest one, right? It is, yeah. And this is the old. Persona 4 is, the, okay. yeah. yeah um, came out
1: Came out on the PS2, I believe, and then it eventually was remade as Golden on the Vita, which I think that's probably the definitive version to play. Okay. Probably looks the best, probably plays the best, has more content, what have you. Um, yeah, it's a good choice, Dean. I just... Someday, it's kind of like a bucket list game for me to figure out that series and... Yeah, we'll see. So let's yeah, see. I think
0: that art style, or like how dark it is perceived, mm-hmm. is like the thing that makes me hesitant about it. Because mm-hmm. I, I was in the mood for a JRPG a couple weeks ago, and I was looking at Persona Five, and I think ooh that was close. Was I almost knocked it over? Um, yeah, I think just the style. I'm like, could this be a depressing game kind of thing? I'm like, I want something sunny and like happy. Like a Mario Sunshine.
1: Yeah, Persona games, yeah, like you said, are perceived to be pretty dark, and I think they actually are. Yeah. Um, both in lighting effects and general tone of the game, but also just the, the content topic. itself. It's, yeah. it's pretty intense. So, speaking of Persona 4, Nick Knack Anime says Persona 4 for me. I put over 100 plus hours into it and have been devoted to this series ever since. Interesting. Logan... Front of the show it says final fantasy 13 and grits with sugar got me through my most depressed times lol well i'm glad you can look in hindsight and find humor in it logan um ryan i've talked many times on the show how games can have a profound impact when we're having some of the most difficult times in our lives um yeah video games are great for that final fantasy 13 what an outstanding game to um kind of be your guide through that whatever difficult time it was um that's good stuff. Not sure if you've replayed it since, but if you haven't, I recommend doing so. I'm sure uh, it'll be really nostalgic for you because it certainly is for me. He also goes on to say, did you guys do any sports in high school? He was a state champions, state championship wrestler in the same state that we live in. Oh, nice. Interesting. Logan, I didn't know you were a fellow...
0: Wrestler.
1: <laughs> fellow person of our native state. Um Oh, okay. We went different ways with that. I was
0: actually a wrestler.
1: But... Do I look like a wrestler to you? No, I was Yeah, not... you
0: could be a lighter
1: weights. Yeah, I was not a wrestler.
0: Yeah, so I guess in middle school I did football, tennis, um, and wrestling. I did wrestling to get in shape because I like this girl. And then I got a concussion in wrestling from my coach. and From your coach? Mm-hmm. Is he in jail girl. now? No, he's still an asshole, though. Okay. It, yeah, so... I wasn't allowed to do uh, contact sports after that. Makes sense. So Is, I is end- that
1: doctor prescribed or is that your parents saying like Doctor prescribed. Really? Okay. Yeah,
0: some cat scans and stuff. It's a pretty big concussion. It yeah, explains my personality and how deranged it is now. Uh,
1: absolutely. I would say you probably got dropped. <laughs> I'm once too concussed. By your parents. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so then in high school, I did swimming for two years. Um, I was actually pretty good at it, I did butterfly and freestyle. And I did tennis for a couple years, but swimming kind of took over. So you have the,
1: it's a fall sport, but then I had year-round training. training. I wish I would have gotten into swimming. Lauren tried to teach me because, of course, the college we went to had a, I want to say aquarium, a pool. An (laughs) (laughs) aquarium. I wish they had an aquarium. You get to
0: fight or swim against
1: sharks. And uh, they chase you. But um, yeah, I've never been a good swimmer. Yeah,
0: so I started out, I think my freestyle 100, because I was a sprinter, my 100 freestyle started out, like never swimming before, like a 107, and by the end of the second year, I was down to like a 54. Seconds, I'm assuming? Yeah, 54 seconds mm-hmm. to do are back, They're back. Wow. So pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I think, so, I forget the name, it was like sectionals, is that the first one, then districts, then states?
1: I think regionals is in there somewhere. Maybe. Okay.
0: I think it was sectional than districts. So I think the 54 could have gotten me to districts.
1: Oh, nice. Um,
0: But the girl that I liked, which is the reason I picked up swimming, she ended up moving away and we broke up. So I was like, I don't give a shit about this sport anymore. And so I quit sports and became (laughs) a couch potato for the rest of my life. I picked up video games. Yeah. No. Well, Lauren and I quit swimming at the same time. It was during a swim practice, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you should. Su- We're gonna do um, 300 butterflies as like a one." So it's like, "There, back, there, back, there, back, there, back, there, back, they're back." They're back, they're back, they're back, they're back. Uh, just butterfly. And Butterfly sucks ass. Like
1: that was my. Is it sp- like, where you like kind of like come out of the water like that and just?
0: It's not as flamboyant as that. Yeah, but like yeah, it's behind the back do and you're doing like the pelvic thrust as your oh yeah that one yeah as your kick and it just destroys you energy wise um so we're like hey lauren fuck this sport fuck this sport and we got out mid-practice we're like hey we want a refund for the rest of our uh
1: club because this was you paid for the whole year Yeah.
0: yeah and she's like okay and then we just got up and left and never came back to swimming nice it's a good sport it's like low impact on your joints i loved it but my motivations for like doing the sport was gone yeah so i played tennis and then i got into just lifting um in high school like i i didn't i liked wearing the jersey for football and like that was my i my dad gives me so much crap because i didn't want to hit people like in football back in middle school they didn't wrong me in any way, and so I didn't have a motivation to hit them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, but you, I was also like way bigger than they were.
1: You also, I think, when you play football, you have to kind of channel your anger about other things and yeah. release that into the other. Yeah, but I was not real like, beings. I'm
0: generally not an angry person. Yeah, uh, my job has made me an angrier person, or like a less like I get hit people now. You like, and Lauren both. Lauren, I can punch a middle schooler. Lauren like literally easy. hits
1: bags like three days a week. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: No, um, yeah, I did basketball way back in the day, like O-Y-A-A.
1: Yeah, I did that as
0: well. And I was not that good. Mm -hmm. Um, I did make one like a last minute like shot at the buzzer, which was kind of cool. Nice. Um, Yeah, I don't know what else I play.
1: Yeah, just lifting after that. So middle school for me, I played, I don't want to say recreational soccer. I mean, I was on a team but I didn't play for the school or anything like that. Yeah, Love soccer, I wish I would've committed myself more to the sport. Mm-hmm. I think if I did and I really practiced a lot more, I could've played in high school, um, but I just never really did. And then in the high school, I ran track my freshman, sophomore year. Um, again, I wanted to play soccer, but just never really did. And then, I see, in, in middle school, and I told this story weeks ago on the podcast, I wanted to play football, but I was always a smaller build. Because I've always been a generally athletic person Mm -hmm. growing up, and I've always, I mean, I'm not like tooting my own horn here, but like I was always the fastest among my friends. Yeah, you gotta rock that ecto more. Super quick. And so, and I could also, like any ball someone would throw my way, I would catch it. Mm -hmm. Like my buddy Nick and I had a system. We would play um, behind the stadium when my high school was playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, like during those games, we would go and um, in the back and play pickup games of football. And my buddy, once he would snap the ball, I would just take off and no one could keep up with me. So he would just chuck a long ball and I would just run and grab it. And even when someone had one-on-one coverage with me, I could just perform circus catches. Like no matter what nice. happened, I would just catch the ball. And so I wished I would have not been in such a mental mentally poor state in eighth grade through my sophomore year Mm -hmm. that i could have bulked up a bit and played wide receiver because i think i could have played pretty well yeah um but bygones be bygones you know whatever Mm -hmm. yeah i just never never went that route so not a big deal um but all of that to say my junior senior year my dog is so damn cute i know
0: (laughs) <laughs> he's like slowly falling asleep watching us. Yeah,
1: he has his head over the couch just like looking at us and his eyes are slowly closing. <laughs> and probably to the and they're closed. House drum of our voices. That's right. Hopefully none of you people are sleeping while you're listening to this. Or maybe hey you are.
0: Guys, I think we're going to talk about the art of painting. <laughs> Have you ever
1: heard of Bob Ross?
0: <laughs> he used to be a Navy seal.
1: This is <laughs> ASMR. Actually,
0: he used to be in the Navy and the, yell at it. The Talking Brothers podcast. Yeah, he
1: was a drill sergeant. Yeah. Anyways, in my junior year and senior year of high school, I started doing kickboxing with my dad, Yeah, kickbox conditioning. So it wasn't actually fighting in a ring with people. You were on a bag, each person, and you had an instructor walking you through a number of different punch and kick and knee combinations. Yeah. And in the midst of all that, you'd run drills where you'd run up to the, the front of the room and you'd do like... Um, Med ball slams or squats, things like that. And at the end of every class, you had more of a conditioning lifting piece to it, where it was like 15 yeah. minutes of lifting. So it was good stuff. I got in really great shape. Um, and then in college, I would say I was more into the lifting scene. Yeah. So, but yeah, good question, Logan. Uh, he got another question here. He might have two actually. Do you guys arrive early, on time, or late to events usually? I'm definitely a late person. So on time is late to me. Early is on time. There's like a whole saying to that, but I'm typically if a meeting is at eight, I'm showing up at seven fifty. Yeah, it depends what it is. Like for all like appointments and
0: things, I'm generally there like five to ten minutes early. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like social things, I feel like there's a window where being on time is like you're gonna be the only one there. Like even the fantasy league, I showed up like five minutes late on purpose and I was still the second one there and like people didn't show up for another like 20-30 minutes and I was like god it sucks to be responsible like even with the delay like I had to force myself to be like five minutes late it hurt
1: yeah I um
0: like you don't want to be the first one at a party
1: yeah no that's that's true um yeah I would say like birthday parties and um just regular parties I typically don't show up first thing now, it's different if it's a party for a sporting event and the game starts at 6, because if some of my favorite sports teams are playing at 6, I'm making sure I'm getting there for kickoff or for the ball to tip. Yeah. Like, I'm not getting there fashionably late for that. No. Um, but yeah, it's definitely dependent on the thing. But anything work-related um, or, again, appointment where it's important, it's not socially, like, recreational, whatever, Yeah, I'm getting there early
0: yeah me too it's really interesting we have a certain amount of like rooms that we meet in for our company and so say it hits 10 a.m and you need the meeting room like at 10 a.m people are opening up that room like you have by the minute Mm -hmm.
1: so it's it's hard not to do that everywhere else yeah So, I just got a text from Travis. He sent it to our group chat. Okay. I don't think he'll mind us reading on on the podcast. Okay. He said, I just played the Pokemon Let's Go demo with with his daughter, and he thinks he's got her hooked. Next step is to break her obsession with Pikachu and realize it's not the coolest Pokemon. Whoa. He says, not sure if I'll convince her on Gengar, but... Yeah, Gengar's a hard sell to, like, a young kid. Like a, like a three- to four-year-old girl. Yeah,
0: look at this creepy-looking, like, purple blob with a long tongue.
1: And, like, nasty, creepy red eyes, like, yeah. glaring at you. I think
0: the only, ha- like, harder one would be one Mr. Mime being freaking terrifying. So creepy. Or, like, a Haunter. Because Haunter's, like, more pointy. Yeah. Which people don't like. Yeah. Pointy things.
1: Yep. Uh, good stuff there. We got a couple more, and then Alec, Chronolink91 just goes off the charts. Logan asked one more question: Do you guys like UFC? If so, which favorite, which fighter is your favorite? <coughs> I don't like watch UFC. Is the fake one? No, that's WWE. UFC is like MMA. Like they're in the ring, just going oh, okay. ham on each other's faces.
0: I really enjoy. What I don't follow anyone because um, a lot of the higher end people are obnoxious to me, like McGregor, the other dude, Mayweather. Yeah, mm-hmm. I find them like. the freaking asshole just lays out money on his table and takes Instagram pictures like god just invest well McGregor was in
1: McGregor was in some bar and I think he was just beating on some old man or something like that in a pub
0: yeah so real classy yeah
1: um
0: yeah I'm I'm I really like watching compilations of people who are super cocky and just get their ass handed to them Mm -hmm. like right out the back um there's like one of the dudes was like dancing a little bit and just got floored And like that kind of like karma, I find entertaining. But like, as far as like following someone, it's hard to watch people just beat the shit out of each other.
1: It is, I mean, it's, you kind of question like, what the heck am I doing with my life right now? I'm literally watching these two people potentially kill one another. Yeah. Like you could throw a punch and literally kill someone, you know, Mm -hmm. depending on where you hit them. So I was more into it in high school because um, my buddy Nick, his cousin was really into MMA, jujitsu and things like that, martial arts. And I remember getting, what is it? UFC 2009 Undisputed or something crazy like that. We had so much fun playing that game on Xbox 360. Um, Yeah, and we enjoyed going to like Buffalo Wild Wings and certain local restaurants and paying a couple bucks, whatever you paid to buy in and watch it on the big screen. But it was never something that I carried on into college and now where I'm like following these different people.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I like the more passive sports. Yeah. Like, I can watch jiu-jitsu. Like, Like, that's not their... The whole point is, like, to bloody each other's faces and, like, kill each other. It's more like, here is the art move... Or, like, here's... It's more an
1: art. than It is, like, just a full-out brawl. Yep, I agree. Femtrooper, Paige, friend of the show as well, fellow YouTuber, her favorite RPG is Earthbound. She says, my favorite game of all time, in fact. Such a magical experience and so nostalgic. Interesting choice... Earthbound has been a game that's been on my bucket list for RPGs and just playing games in general for so, so long. Uh, certainly, getting the physical copy in box on eBay, it's like $600, so that's Holy completely frick. out of the question. But I believe it's on the Super Nintendo Classic, which I have. And then I want to say you can download it on your th- new Nintendo 3DS now through the eShop. Oh. But there's definitely means to play it much in a much more inexpensive fashion. Um, there was also recently a rumor that a trademark was filed i think in europe that is leading people to believe that super nintendo games are co- finally coming to the switch eShop. oh that would be nice so um i probably won't buy into that because i have the super nintendo classic i modded it and added it like 50 other super nintendo games to i it. also have the
0: online thing if you you're part of the family so oh, you that's have true. access yeah
1: what's up we're good never mind chrono link 9-1 i also want to play earth pound It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Is it,
0: that's a, like a grindy game
1: too, right? It can be? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a turn-based RPG, and that's when that's where NES's yeah. origins are. So, um, and the more overpowered Lucas. That's right. God, his up A is a beast. Chronic 9-1, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> Persona 5 is becoming one of my all-time favorite RPGs. Final Fantasy Thirteen obviously will always be my favorite. I love how vocal you are about that, Alec, because... It's such a taboo subject, I would even go as far as to say, that someone says they love Final Fantasy thirteen. more so back in the day when like, YouTube gaming community was thriving, the 2010, 11, 12 years. You know, Pete, I think, got a lot of flack for saying on the All Gen, G- All Gen Gamers podcast and even on his YouTube show for how much he loved it, um, but I'm glad you've tuned out the naysayers and you stay true to your word. I agree. So Final what's Fantasy XIII. the criticism to it? too linear it's not a final fantasy game should have been titled something else character sucks snow's annoying the list goes on and on okay yeah people didn't like the battle system because they felt like they were just mashing the a button but you know what ryan they didn't get to birth because that's not a game that's not a boss battle yeah you can I, smash the a button for
0: i guess i'm i when i played it i wasn't used to the oh hey 20 hour learning curve to get into an open world like, that's a big time commitment
1: <clears throat> plus i was in high school Makes sense, I forgive you. Again, yeah. the Talker is a forgiving podcast. Yeah, but we'll still ridicule you ba- behind your back. <laughs> That's right. We're also very big proponents of gossip. Yes. Chrono Link goes on and he says, Persona-, Persona 5, <laughs> because of how good the mechanics are, how stylish everything is, and how they are so unafraid to go to places and topics other RPGs typically don't. He says he has a really hard time getting into many Western RPGs, um, The Elder Scrolls, etc., Doesn't do it for me. It's frustrating since I often really love the settings or world concepts, but the stories don't grip me like JRPGs often do. Chrono Trigger, Tales of Symphonia, Lost Odyssey, all jive with me big time. What is your favorite RPG that isn't tied to a particular franchise or pre-existing universe? This would exclude Final Fantasy, Skyrim, KOTOR, etc. A one-off, or he says a one-off. Mine is definitely Lost Odyssey. Special mention to Last Story as well. Both awesome games from Miss Walker. Lost Odyssey was another one that I always wanted to play. I had it on the 360 for the longest time, but even on the 360, I think it was four discs. Wow. Now, keep in mind, Final Fantasy XIII was three discs, but still, four discs is pretty excessive. Um, I wish, Alec, that I could say Blue Dragon. Uh, I think that game really would have done it for me because I think it molded... Dragon Quest with Persona and the way that the battle system and mechanics worked because I think each character had some sort of Persona character that they could summon Um, and of course the art direction was done by Akira Toriyama so I probably would have just loved it naturally but I never got around to playing that one either interesting question though um, an RPG that's not part of a pre-existing universe or franchise mine would have to be Bloodborne Like the Dark Souls has an established universe, but Bloodborne
0: isn't a sequel. It's its its own own thing. thing. Yeah. Um, I love the Renaissance setting of like a corrupted like church that is spreading a disease and like it's turning everything into monsters. Yeah. Like it's such a unique and there's like an ascension into like godhood through the blood of like uh, ascended gods. Mm -hmm. Like it's just such a like screwed up kind of like dark setting and it's really unique to me Mm -hmm. like i was thinking ninokuni with like the build your own kingdom and stuff but that's an established but yeah i think it's the bloodborne would have to be my favorite unique non-established world
1: yeah it's a good choice i'm trying to think
0: because i'm sure what is it elden ring will probably be my yeah one of my
1: favorites um there's so much on the DS that's so unique and we don't see a whole lot of those these days just because I don't think developers have the time and resources, but if you want to get a powerhouse RPG console, get the DS and 3DS. I mean, I felt like there was a new RPG coming out for those systems almost every day and I could rattle off a ton, but one that I played that I could never get into, and again, I think this is a game that if I, I really learned the learning curve, the music, the game setting, just the style... sense of style was so great was the world ends with you Um, it was set in shibuya japan and you controlled two characters at the same time so when you were in combat i think you had to use kind of the the actual buttons but also the touch screen to control the two characters one on the bottom screen one on the top to fight your battles and it was just too complicated and steep a learning curve for me at the time because i was in college again very selective about what i wanted to play and i just never really got over that hump of learning it but in terms of music, some of the greatest on the DS, and just fantastic RPG music to begin with. Um, so if you've never checked out that one, I think you can now get it on the Nintendo Switch. I think they remade yeah. it. Um, I don't know. I feel like I heard not the greatest things about the port or remake. I'm not really sure why. Um, I'm not sure if they brought over the touchscreen mechanics and if it didn't translate well to one screen as opposed, uh, as opposed to dual screen. Um but definitely a unique one for sure. Yeah, it's got a very Final Fantasy, or a Kingdom Hearts vibe. Mm-hmm. Another one that kind of comes to mind that I enjoyed, I think it was Nintendo developed and published, was Glory of Heracles. It was more of a Greek mythology turn-based RPG on the DS. Had a really cool cover. Um, I just remember it being kind of yeah. not like Nintendo to kind of create this completely new RPG that wasn't already a part of a pre-existing franchise, but... Nintendo took a lot of risks with the DS. Um, That was a pretty cool one. I didn't get super far, but I remember putting about 10 hours into it. It was a pretty fun uh, turn-based RPG. Nice. So good question, Alec. I like that one. And uh, that was it. Yeah, I appreciate the long monologue there, Alec. And instead of sending me a DM, literally sending me like 10 different (laughs) responses to your questions and it's still sounding coherent. So good stuff. Ryan, that is all of the... Um, Instagram stuff very nice you thank want, you do you want to get into this RPG extravaganza no why not <laughs> I wanted to see like
0: oh shit there's only one answer to that <laughs>
1: what is he going to say
0: okay so like uh, crap well uh, thanks for listening we'll episode 53
1: <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to kind of break down here story characters character progression <laughs> whatever the hell that was <laughs> sorry that was a stretch battle system. Ryan, I'm going to get some more water. Scooby, why are you making so much noise? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get some more water. You want to like, entertain the listeners? Yeah, sure. So,
0: I actually added a few more categories on top of like story, characters, um, battle system, and character progression. I also added some other things I want to talk about. Skills, and then some miscellaneous stuff, which, real quick, and then something at the end that we're going to try to do. Um, which I had picked a few movies off of my shelf, and I want to see if what we would do or how we would kind of design an RPG. Based around that film? Yeah, based around the film. Like what kind of elements from what we had previously talked about. Okay. Which could be fun.
1: Yeah, I think so. So how do you want to do this, Ryan? You want to kind of just break down category by category? Yeah, so
0: I didn't actually go into like full-on game synopses like you did. Mm-hmm. I did kind of the two kind of main like a couple main so like for story elements one of the main ones that I see is the zero to hero yeah right? the-
1: a lunchbox just fell off okay. the fridge <laughs> again We're, this is haunted <laughs> <laughs> the soccer brothers is always going to have interruptions that's just how it is on here so then I listed up the games and kind of
0: like why that's a good genre so if you want to do your synopsis and then sure, we can go into my kind of
1: yeah, that that ma- that's yeah that makes sense. Uh, so for story, if you've listened to this podcast for any considerable period of time, you'll know that Rusty doesn't pay particular attention to story in games very often. Mm-hmm. Most RPGs, you know, they fit this: save the girl, defeat the enemy, trying to take over the world, with little minute differences in between to make the game stand out in a very saturated RPG market. Which is perfectly fine. There's a lot of excellent, outstanding RPGs that I've played in my time that fit that you know bill. Um, you also have to know that Rusty, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, is an old man and forgets plot points, character names, and story beats That's because you watch streams. Rather fast.
0: Yeah, you're like, oh, let's watch speedruns as I go into this elaborate, single-player, story-driven thing.
1: That's just how Rusty
0: does things. You're like, oh, I don't know why I don't understand this story at all. What's happening, Ryan?
1: Yep. That's oh, it's because I was watching a Mario 64 speedrun. First well, of all, Pete, door doesn't He's better than that. He's not speed running Super Mario sixty four. Okay. Why? Because he's speed running Dark Cloud in Final Fantasy thirteen. The ten hour edition. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's just I like the interactivity of the community while I'm while I'm playing the game. Um, okay. There are some games that I shut off all Twitch, all everything because I want to be honed into this story, this this character, um, and I even do that with Skyrim sometimes because I just. I don't want to hear Pete. I don't want to hear chat. I don't want to hear anything. I just want to be locked into the Skyrim world.
0: Yeah, I just want to be a cat. <laughs> Khajiit. Hell you're yeah. Always a Khajiit.
1: Uh, No, I'm not always a Khajiit. I my new character I created a Khajiit. Okay. But I just you want to- You look put, so
0: confused, you're like, I always wanna be a cat. What?
1: <laughs> but I wanna put my headphones on and get lost in that world, hear all the background ambiance, hear birds, hear animals walking around, just again getting lost in that experience. Then of course When I play a game like Uncharted or The Last of Us, I want no background noise, nothing interrupting the experience, because it is so character-focused. All of that to say, I have a few here in terms of story that I really like, most of which, not most of which, but a lot of it I don't remember distinctly. Um, Like Final Fantasy IX, for example, one of my favorite RPGs of all time. I played this nearly eight years ago, I think. And so I remember very little of it in terms of specific story beats, plot twists, and things like that. When we get to characters, I remember the characters very fondly and memorably, and I'll get to that a little bit later. But I just remember the story of Final Fantasy IX being so memorable because one, you have a stark contrast with nine, seven, VII, and eight in terms of Final Fantasy, because nine had a much more Disney-like aesthetic to the graphics, and it just seemed more approachable because of the graphics. And I think the characters, as I eventually will talk about, um, are so varied, mixed, and unique um, from one another, but they also complement each other as you progress through this grand story. That's It's charming, it's, it's hilarious, it's very dark and somber at times, but in the end, it's this just heroic journey with Zidane, or Zidane, however you pronounce the main character, and the friends he meets along the way. It's just really special. So for that, I think it's one of the great or it's one of my favorite uh, video game stories um, in terms of RPGs. And for as convoluted a mess as the stories are, um, unless you're paying like particular attention and reading deeper into the lore, I love the stories of Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy thirteen. I mean, most of the time they're completely nonsensical and you have no idea in Kingdom Hearts why there's all these organization members meeting and these random cutscenes that make... N- not a lick of sense of anything. Yeah, or why the Kingdom Hearts was a door and then it became a moon. Yeah, it's it's a heart. It's ridiculous, but I think more than anything, you kind of hone in on this friendship between Sora, Donald, Goofy, Kyrie, and Riku, and any other characters from the Disney universe that you meet along the way. That crazy love triangle. Yeah, that really drives you through the experience and makes you love the story for what it is. Yeah, for as nonsensical as it is, and I'd say very much the same with Final Fantasy thirteen. There's the pulse C, the Foul C, the L C. All these different things that I think one of them is some kind of disease that someone's trying to purge because they want to save the, the, the planet that is Cocoon. But honestly, all of that's just gibberish to me. What I really care about is what these characters are willing to do for one another. Fang doing so, so much to get back to Vanille because she promised her that she was going to help and save her. Same thing with Saz in helping Vanille get to where she wants to go. Snow hating, or Hope hating Snow. I think I misspoke earlier in the podcast when I was talking about Snow during the berthandelus fight. It Whatever. Hope um, being so angry with Snow because he's technically responsible for the death of Hope's mother, but eventually they have this moment where they bond and recognize that there's a greater fight here, and Snow's intention wasn't to kill Hope's mom. It was really to fight a grander battle, and once Hope under, make, has that understanding, then he comes alongside Snow and now they're fighting along one, with one another. Uh-huh. And the same thing with uh, Lightning and fighting to save her sister Sarah's life. Just the, the story itself, again, nonsensical, but the character interactions and the characters themselves are really what drive that experience in its entirety. Um, so that's why for me, it's one of my favorite RPG stories. The last one, I was doing some research about like best video game stories Most of which was like Final Fantasy VII, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, a lot of games that I haven't played, the Persona games and what have you. So I started looking at my game collection, my PS1, I don't have a whole lot of RPGs. PS2, I didn't really play a whole lot on the PS2 in terms of RPGs beyond Kingdom Hearts. Then I went through my DS collection and I found Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride. And I've said... This multiple times in the podcast that I played a lot of the Dragon Quest games in college. I pretty much played one per year. And typically with Dragon Quest, you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get a bare bones story that's very much hero saves the world. Um, there's some giant villain that you have to grind your way 50 hours to finally beat. And Dragon Quest V is definitely the outlier in the series um, because you start this game and playing as this young boy. And eventually, um, you kind of span this 20-year period where you play as a young boy, kind of a teenager, and then an adult where you, quite literally, there's a lot of player choice and freedom in that you get to choose the person that you want to marry. Ooh. So there's this father that in order to wed his daughter, you have to go out and do this grand task, you know, go collect these orbs, or very JRPG fashion. Yeah. But once you come back, you'd fully expect him to just say, here's my daughter. But you actually get to choose who you want to marry. And that doesn't have drastic changes to the story, but just the fact that you get to choose was pretty unique for a game that, on the Super Famicom that came, or PS2 in Japan. I can't remember the original platform for this. Um, But anyways, I don't want to get into the very specifics of this story um, because the plot twists and how everything comes together is is effing brilliant. I mean, it's really pretty amazing as I was reading through the story beats to this online thinking, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And it intertwines... When you introduce time travel into any game, it can be very hit or miss. Yes. It can be very confusing. Even in Chrono Trigger, I feel like the time travel aspect, for me personally, I need a guide because it can be... You can get lost fast. The way they introduce time travel into this game I think is so perfectly done Mm -hmm. and once you get to the end of the story it makes so much sense having seen things that happened earlier in the game and how it all ties together in this perfect knot is just spectacular and if i could recommend anyone to play an rpg on the ds aside from pokemon games dragon quest 5 is so good because it kind of adds this emotional piece to the story and the game that I think is lacking in other Dragon Quest games that you probably get more of in Final Fantasy yeah which main character is he in Smash so he yeah they're all called Hero right Yeah. you actually get to name your character in Dragon Quest 5 whatever you want I think I named him Rusty naturally um, he's the one with the purple bandana oh okay so the one in 8 had I think kind of a which is the one with the ears I think that's like, Dragon Quest 4 okay yeah Cause you were, we are were
0: switching through the costumes, and you're like, "Oh, that one's this one. This one's four, five. Yeah, like yeah. yeah.
1: Eight's the one that he has kind of like um, the bandana that's like red or orange. Okay, kind like of the pirate guy. Yeah, kind of pirate looking.
0: And then eleven's the one that I've played. Yeah, that one looks like
1: the longer hair, purple yeah,
0: outfit, future trunks.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So
0: that's kind of my story bit. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. So I kind of <laughs> broke it up into the two main types of stories that I've seen and we can kind of talk about it so uh, there's there's really a distinction between whether you're zero to hero kind of like a Hercules like you're nobody and there is you're important right so you're like the chosen one the luminary or whatever so the games that kind of fall under the zero to hero that I played are like Skyrim you're in jail or like you're about to be put to get death or you're in jail in oblivion but you become the Chosen One, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, you have Dark Souls where you're literally in jail and you're just some undead dude who no one gives a crap about you. Or like Horizon, you're some outcast yeah. kind of thing. Or even Kingdom Hearts to an extent is kind of that way. You're just some kid on an island that becomes...
1: The Keyblade wielder to be, like you were yeah, like
0: destined one to be. yeah, Take down Xehanort or whatnot. And then like to juxtapose that, you have where you're already kind of pre... Your royalty destined, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, Dragon Quest Eleven, the one that I've played, like, within 10 minutes, you're the Luminary. Mm-hmm. Like, you're the Chosen One. Or God of War, the new one. Not the original ones, because you're pretty much just a Spartan general. Yeah. But, like, the newer one, you are basically every god from the Greek gods. And then, kind of, Kingdom Hearts as well. I think what I usually like to play is zero-to-hero kind of games... Where I'm basically nothing and I get to build my character from the ground up. Mm -hmm. But by the end, I really like that overpowered kind of, like, I'm a beast. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like Dark Souls was really fun for me because you suck at the beginning. But by the end, like, I enjoy just putting on a show and grinding. By the end, I am the greatest Dark Souls. And with that, too, it's interesting
1: because one of I'll talk about this in battle systems like yeah you can level up as much as you want in that game but there still comes a point where you have to learn the mechanics learn the boss yeah. battles learn the movements of your enemies and kind of just become the superior person because it's like no I know you're going to you're going to swipe left I'm going to swipe right you know yeah
0: so yeah a lot of the grinding is like to try out new weapons and things but like even oh, what was the dude on the dragon the unnamed the nameless king oh
1: my god I don't think I'll ever beat that Yeah, I mean, that fight You're still screwed even if you're leveled up Yeah, no, I mean You could probably beat that, not really Because (laughs) whatever you fight with You'll take off more damage But like, you could fight that battle Probably, it'd be probably easier To learn that battle with stripping yourself Of armor completely and not taking any hits Than doing it with full armor And knowing like, oh I can just take a few hits Because once you take a few, you're taking many And then you're dead
0: yeah, because it's like the second phase where it's constant electrical attacks. He gets and he off just, of his Nazgul. He, yeah, <laughs> and he just absorbs the Storm Drake or whatever. And,
1: um, and then he's like shooting across the map. Like he's just destroying you. And you're like, wow, I suck. And you can try and hug the ass. But man, he still is, even with that, you have to know like, okay, I have this... Literally millisecond of a time window that I can strike him once, knock off a little sliver of health, and rinse and repeat. The moment you get um, like arrogant about it, the fight, yeah. you're dead. The moment you think you can take two swings, you're, you're gone.
0: Yeah, so I, I really like... I mean, Zero to Hero generally is more like an open world kind of environment. And like the more important characters kind of more correlates to a single player story. Like, where they... It's more linear, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess Horizon's kind of the exception. But um, I guess for genres and stories, I really like the progression of... Or, like, what I'd like to see in a game would be the progression from a mid or medieval kind of progression through a futuristic one. Like, traveling through time. Mm. Kind of like the game you were playing. Like
1: Empire Earth, more of an RPG? That'd yeah. be sweet. So,
0: what I was thinking of, like you could start out on the run from like the law and like how you would deal with why you'd be alive as a character you could be like a vampire right i don't know if you saw the new dracula movie with the dude who um in i don't know the actor the one who shot down the dragon
1: in the hobbit yeah it's luke something rather
0: yeah so he he was in dracula the movie mm-hmm. and also um uh what's his face the dad from Game of Thrones of the Lannister family? Yeah, Charles Dance. Yeah, he was in it as well. And at the very end of that movie, it's them, like, in modern time, just wearing suits, but they're still vampires. Yeah. So, like, I could see it... Luke yeah, Evans. Yeah. Progressing like that, where you're a vampire and you slowly make it your way throughout time. And that that's would explain the kind of progression and you why you're still yeah. alive. That'd be pretty sweet. And you could, like, establish your house or power or gold or whatever and there'd be maybe you conquer the lands and you go into hiding or something Mm -hmm. but you could still progress throughout the time periods to wherever you want to be and it's still like an open world for each one of those that'd be pretty sweet I'd be down for that yeah that's that's would be a lot of fun for me I just like the idea of like upgrading things and your technology and like gaining influence yeah for sure yeah so that's what I kind of have for story. Um, but yeah, I'm more of a zero-to-hero, Hercules kind of dude.
1: Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Whenever you get, and you'll see that here in character progression when I talk about that next, um, and what I like most about games um, under that category is being able to, again, make the experience your own. Like, yeah. the world is preset, but you can kind of be the puppet master and with your character at least, and this is how I want it to play out. Yeah. Um, and whether you want to play, I'll get right into it. I mean, for for Skyrim... Um, I love the freedom to really craft any character type you want. I mean, you can be a thief, stealth build. You can be a mage, uh, a mage, an archer, like whatever you want. Heavy combat with an axe and sword, um, and really hone in those skills. Like you have this gargantuan skill tree, which at the time I thought this kind of um, cosmic, celestial star system to unlock all your skills was really neat. Yeah. Now I feel it's a little unintuitive. It just it doesn't really work well for me i just don't it's too overwhelming like there's just too much there and um yeah it can just be overwhelming but to really hone in on the skills you want like if you want to be a thief stealth build then do your sneak your lock picking your archery whatever it is that you want to do you can focus in on those skills yeah or you can be more like jack of all trades and really kind of do you know allocate your skills to many different things um but I think just having the freedom to do that, um, from a character progression standpoint, is so awesome because it's basically someone like gives you a mansion and gives you the key and is like, "Here, do whatever you want. Like, it's all yours." You know. Yeah. And I love that aspect about Skyrim. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how they change the skill trees and how you allocate points in Elder Scrolls Six. Trying to remember how they did skills in Oblivion. Do you remember? Yeah, and I remember. I it was a heck of a lot worse in Oblivion than it was in Skyrim. I
0: don't remember. I think,
1: God, it was every twenty-five levels you got a thing. If I'm remembering
0: correctly, it's been like fifteen years, but you had seven main skills that lay leveled up your main combat only if you slept after you like did your progression bar. I think like every twenty-five levels you get a specific perk. Mm-hmm. So this is like twenty-five. Um, like alteration you got a like a perk and then 50 75 100
1: yeah it's tough i mean it's been so I long mean, like
0: conjuration I... you got like different levels of monsters and things
1: yeah but, yeah no skyrim is great i mean character progression i think again just kind of giving you the um the ability to do whatever you want and kind of hone in on the skills you want to i think is really pretty awesome um the next one i have is final fantasy 13 i mean i'm playing it again and it's just as memorable and satisfying now with the Crystarium system as it was when I first played it. And I don't know why I find it so addicting and almost therapeutic, uh, but grinding out Crystarium, not paying attention to how much your party is accumulated. So at the end of every battle, it'll show you again, zero to five stars, what you rated, how long it took you to finish the battle, and then the proposed time they think it should take you to beat the battle, mm-hmm. and of course, the lower amount of time you are to their proposed time is the more stars you get. Okay. And thereby the more uh, rare drops you get. Yeah. Um, but if you just grind out for like 30, 45 minutes to an hour and then opening up the start menu, going to Crystarium and seeing that your characters have 20, 30, 40,000 Crystarium points to allocate among your character, among the different roles that they have – and I'll get into that with battle system, uh, but different characters specialize in different roles. Whether it's commando, that's more offensive; medic, clearly a healer; yeah. ravager, more magic based. Um, and just you basically, once you open the menu and you allocate each of these characters' Crystarium, it's this giant bubble uh, web that, as you hold down the A button, there's this this noise that, for whatever reason, it's just satisfying. And it goes along the web, and when it gets to a new bubble, it'll unlock plus twenty to your HP, plus twenty strength, okay. plus twenty magic, or you'll learn a new ability like um, like cure, curaga, fireaga, like all those Kingdom Hearts Final yeah. Fantasy lingo. Um, but just the satisfaction of moving up these this character web of of leveling up, yeah. is just really satisfying. I don't know what it is, but um, farming Crystarium and Building out that web is just so fun.
0: Was it final? final wow, Final Fantasy Nine, the one that started that web tree. I think it was ten. Ten. Is that the one with um, Titus? Titus. Yeah. I always called him Titus. So did I. Yeah. Which sounds way better than Titus. I agree. Um. So I'm gonna. So Titus. I I was watching the Completionist mm-hmm. on YouTube, and he went through and completed all of Final Fantasy Ten, like one of the achievements to get like the platinum is the entire web has to be completely done.
1: And I think that's also uh, an achievement in Final Fantasy 13. And I was so adamant- there's
0: one I'm not gonna be getting. Yeah, well, I,
1: I was so adamant back in the day of doing that for the 360 version. But then I was looking at the time sync for that and it's like 130, 150 hours. And at that point I was only like 70 hours in. And I'm like, there's absolutely no way I'm playing this game for the same amount of time it took me to beat the story mm-hmm. just grinding. Like that just sounds miserable to me. Yeah. Um cuz even grinding now like when I find areas to farm crystarium, I can only do it for like 30 minutes to an hour. Like it just becomes too even when I'm watching Pete or a movie or whatever it is, it just it's too tedious. I yeah. enjoy the farm, but like at the end of the day, tedious. That's right. <laughs> I'd rather just get back to the story. Yeah. But anyways the next one is dragon quest 9 on the ds the grinding loop of just killing dozens if not hundreds of slime and whatever iconic dragon quest monsters you might run into the key thing here for me is unlocking new weapons new armor sets new helmets whatever it is mm-hmm. and then outfitting that to your character and seeing on this little nintendo ds screen your character's appearance physically change that's
0: the key there it you i think the best part about these is having your character change Mm -hmm. like yeah you can put equip a new armor if it doesn't change your appearance it doesn't really matter it's not like you actually achieved it yeah i I mean yeah like the best thing about monster hunter was that you could see those physical changes
1: yeah I, i earned that if you spend 10 hours grinding this monster this behemoth monster that's Again, you spend 10 hours doing, it's like, oh my gosh, this is nauseating. But once you do it and you get this new sword or the ability to craft this new armor set and then you equip it, it's like, hell yeah, that was worth it. Yeah. And that's what it's like in Dragon Quest Nine. Another cool thing about this game is that you can go to a particular building and create a character from scratch, or I guess I should say you recruit them, and then you can assign them to a character role class build, and the same thing. It's not just the hero character that you get to customize their appearance. Yeah. You assign armor and weapons to all of the characters. Oh, nice. And so to have three, four characters in your party that you're constantly switching and getting new armor sets, it's supremely satisfying. Yeah. So That's really nice. I love Dragon Quest Nine. There was some kind of rumor that I read on Twitter that for the 10th anniversary or 15th anniversary, I don't know when that game came out, they were thinking about doing a remake for the Switch. With online functionality, which I would be over the moon about because Dragon Quest IX, that and five are definitely my favorite games in the series. Um, but nine, in terms of how it holds up today, I think would be very fitting for a Switch release. The next game I have here is Dark Cloud. I've talked endlessly about this game on the podcast. Wouldn't have played it if it wasn't for Pete Dorr speedrunning it last summer. And this is an interesting one because it's very multifaceted in terms of its character progression and also in the reasons why I like it so much. And so if you haven't played Dark Cloud or don't know anything about it, you play as this main character, Toen. There's this evil genie that corrupts the universe, and this little magician dude encapsulated all buildings and important people and these little things called Atla so that they wouldn't be completely destroyed. You as this main character, Toen, go into these procedurally generated dungeons, unlock the Atla, and then go back to your town to rebuild it in a very Sims-like fashion. What I love about in terms of character progression is you eventually have four companion characters that you get to play as, all of them having unique builds and weapon sets. And like Breath of the Wild, keeping in mind this is a game that came out 19 years ago in 2000, your weapons break. But you can use repair powders to make sure and ensure that they don't break. Yeah. And then you can also level up the weapons to become stronger to the point where you eventually get these like just OP weapons to use. And it's your job to make sure that they don't break. But the thing that I like most about this game is um, unlocking the Atla and going back to these various towns and building it, one, to your heart's content. You can build it in any way, shape, or form that you want to. You can place any of the shops or houses next to one another that you'd like, or you can talk to the NPCs that are roaming the town and you'll talk to one lady, for example, that says, oh, I love the sound of the river and I also do a lot of laundry. So, naturally you want to get the river mill and put her house next to that so she can do her laundry, hear the sound of the river Mm -hmm. as you build the river through the the town. Um, So it offers a lot of freedom, but also it rewards you for taking the time to talk to these NPCs building the town that they want because then you're getting special um, weapons, you're getting repair powders, you're getting various items that will a lot make the game a lot easier down the line. Did you end up
0: beating that one? I think you are on the final boss.
1: Right? I was not the final boss and there's this particular item that you need to kind of not spam the fight but make it a little easier. And you have to go back to the first dungeon, I think, and farm for that item. And I just never did that. Okay. Um, it'd be tough for me now just because... You have to swap between characters for the last boss fight, and to learn the mechanics of that might be tough. So I'll probably just need to spend some time in one of the dungeons and then go yeah. back and beat the final boss because I do want to beat that before I start playing Dark Cloud 2. Okay. Um the last one that I'll talk about really quickly is just the Fable series. I've talked about it a ton on the podcast, but I just love the idea in any game, really, the freedom to go light or dark, good or evil. Um, and there are meaningful, like purposeful consequences to those choices. Yeah. Whether it's in Skyrim and you go to Whiterun and just start wrecking havoc on the guards, like, yeah, people are going to hate you, but you can do it. You can murder yeah. an entire town if you want to. But like in Fable, Infamous, and Kotor, there are meaningful, like, cosmetic and like changes that happen to your character as a result of those choices. Yeah, like Red Lightning. Looks awesome. Yeah, and see, I never played... I've murdered a ton of people. And I never played <laughs> Infamous all the way through. And when I did, I played it as good. So for me, yeah. I never got to see that side of it. You can throw, like, lightning bombs. It's awesome. Yeah. But I think the, the cool thing about that is the game essentially affords you two playthroughs because you can play as good or bad, and yeah. there are meaningful consequences and paths to the story that are completely different and you wouldn't see otherwise, that you need to play it twice Yeah. to experience. Um, but in Fable in particular... I like it because um, the morphing mechanic of your character—you um, know—if you're good, you'll have tan skin, light hair, and a little halo over your head. But if you're evil and murdering people and taking the darker path, yeah. you'll look more like Ryan. Yeah. Um, but its it <laughs> it's a rough week. It's just <laughs> a wacky, interesting little game. I mean, Peter Monello is such a an odd dude to begin with, and yeah. that's definitely a reflection of his games. And Fable's no different. But all of that to say, I love games that have um, lasting impact to your character's appearance and this overall story, depending on the choices you make.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a big aspect of, like, kind of make-your-own-character games. Yeah. Like, so I I broke down the characters into, there's, like, fixed and there's variable. So you get, like, a lot of fixed character. It's more single-story-driven so you have like Aloy, Kratos, the Nino Cooney dudes, mm-hmm. or Spider-Man, or even Kingdom Hearts, where you're set on this path or this specific fixed journey, and you don't really have a lot of variation because you're meant to follow this path. Like Kratos and like uh, Aloy, you can still open worlds and stuff, but but at the end you're Ultimately. gonna follow this path. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the opposite side where you get like dark souls or skyrim or just these flat out open worlds where you can play however you like or infamous or fable where the world's your oyster yeah yeah i'm more of a fan of like the make your own choose your race like which have their own associated attributes um change your gender like on a whim Mm -hmm. like kind of thing um i think the class system i don't know if You've played Oblivion, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So where they're like, "Oh, pick your constellation like to figure out attributes." That might be over the top. Yeah. But I really like the variable aspect of characters where I mean, you don't get to love your character as much, but it's the character itself is you. Yeah. So you, I mean, you you can go around murdering people if that's what you feel like doing, but like The first-person experience is really fun through Skyrim. I think that's what you said. I don't know if we were talking on the podcast or not, but you get detached from the character if it's a third-person view.
1: I think so, yeah. Yeah. And that's why Yeah, we were talking about Breath of the Wild, I think, on the podcast, um, that Zelda games traditionally have been more focused adventures, where it's like, you have to go to this dungeon. You have to go here right now. Whereas Breath of the Wild was like, here's this gargantuan world big old playground have fun yeah and for me when i play games like that i prefer to be like as you said first person because then i i embody that character i'm in this world as this yeah. person but when i'm third person i just i feel removed a little bit yeah um, and not to say that breath of the wild is a bad game at all i know it's beloved by so many people and i've said this to death in the podcast i'm not going to beat a dead horse i will play the game and i'm sure i will love it um it's just Fixing and altering my mindset when I play a game like that.
0: Yeah, I think there's a the fine line between like open world and like everything being variable, and then there's like yeah. stuff being fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Breath of the Wild is like purely variable. Besides Link and like the f- main bosses, everything else is kind of just do your own thing and figure it out.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you can go to as num- as many shrines and little mini dungeons as you want to. Yeah,
0: I mean, even. Dark Souls is more linear than, way more linear than like a uh, Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is surprising. But yeah, I'd say I really like just making my own character, the Skyrim approach, figuring out how I want to play this game and then having the replayability of a variable character. Yeah. I mean, you can play through Horizon or Nino Kuni, but you're going to get that same story. Mm -hmm. But Skyrim, yes, you have a main like quest, I guess. But how you approach it is so different. yeah like playing through an axe build versus playing through a thief or an assassin or however you
1: want. Yeah, it's completely different which is I, that's what I love about th- that game. Yeah. I mean I
0: think that's the greatest part about RPGs is I mean you're literally a role-playing game. yeah like you play whatever role you want to. yeah
1: good stuff. yeah. So characters
0: uh, that yes characters okay, okay for me. Um that was character progression. Do you want to move into characters? Oh, that's character pro I have something totally different for character progression.
1: That's fine. Was that not character progression? It was. That was character progression. Oh that
0: was my characters, basically the fix versus
1: Oh, that's fine. Why don't you just go ahead and get into character progression then? Okay. Yeah, sounds good. So
0: as far as character progressions, I kinda divided it into three different areas. So you have the Level up based off of armor. So, games like Destiny, Monster Hunter, kind of Pokemon. Pokemon, your power is based off of your Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, Borderlands, and to some extent based off your guns, and then God of War. And then I also, there's level up based off of skills, like a, <coughs> like, a, I don't know, strength, HP, stamina, that kind of stuff, like a Dark Souls or RuneScape. Mm hmm. And then there's also skill trees um, for Borderlands, Assassin's Creed, and Sekiro. Yeah. And I think I really like the skill kind of level-up system the most. Um, Monster Hunter and like Destiny, it's an interesting game loop to be purely based off of your armor itself. It is, yeah. Um, so I can go play with you if I just put lower armor on yeah you're starting out which is a really nice thing instead of me being like hey i'm level like 150 i can one shot everything in your game
1: yeah i guess it is nice from a co-op perspective but yeah if if from a single player perspective i'm with you i definitely prefer just like the skyrims of the world where you really have it's it's character focused as opposed to um yeah, weapons and armor and things like that.
0: Yeah, and even, like, a skill tree purely based off, Like,
1: everything is based off a
0: skill tree. That gets stressful. Mm-hmm. Like, if I can't fully max things out... um, I guess, to an extent, Spider-Man's kind of like that, too. It's, like, you, all of your, your abilities are based off of your skill tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm more so the... Yeah, just level up based off of skills that you train. Yeah good stuff so that's kind of how i broke down the character
1: progression good stuff well i will get into characters then so kind of how i broke this down is again i looked at my library of games i was researching like best video game characters and i don't want to say typically but like in many cases when you look up best characters in video games oftentimes you'll see rpg characters just because Those games are so story focused, and many times you're spending hundreds of like dozens, if not hundreds of hours with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, I I have this here just because it's so well known. These characters span across multiple franchises and games, just because um, they have a lot of versatility to them. And that's Final Fantasy VII. Of course, I'm probably not going to play the game again until the remake comes out. Yeah, I played it briefly back in the day when I bought a copy from Game Crazy because my buddy Scott, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, his brothers were playing the game, and it just looked revolutionary in terms of graphics at the time. The music was so, so good, and the combat system was unlike anything I had seen before other than Poke- Pokemon from a turn-based battle system mechanic yeah um but it was just at a time where i wasn't mature enough to appreciate that battle system and the story and um the length of the game but there's no denying the the mass appeal of characters like cloud strife sephiroth the villain Aerith, cloud's love interest in the game and um barrett and the many many other characters in the game that i have yet to even meet or play with or experience because i just haven't played the game really How long is that game? You can probably, like, if you're really trying to just power through the game, beat it in 30 to 35 hours, but if you play the game more like us, probably more 40 to 50. Okay. So it's not too terribly long, but it's also not a breeze of a game either.
0: (coughs) The first one to come up is Final Fantasy VII. Let's see how how long to beat. Yeah, I'm definitely probably the longer, like, grind. Yeah, 38 hours is the main story. Completionist, (coughs) excuse me, choking on meat, uh, 88 hours.
1: Yeah, so that's if you like max out your character's stats and levels, because I think you can get every character to level 99 if you choose. Um, But again, that takes a heck of a long time, and the value in that is, you know, questionable. Yeah. But some of the other games I have here are games that are really series that are really close to me and games that I actually already spoke about earlier in the episode one that I haven't beat is Chrono Trigger you recently played it yep um of course originally released on the Super Nintendo came out on the PS1 and eventually remade a little bit for the DS uh, and that's the version that I played and again so I never beat the game um but I think the cast within Chrono Trigger is is so unique and diverse you have Chrono who is this really just perfect main protagonist but then you have companions like Marl who is the you find out later on is a princess escaping from where she once was in a frog and a robot whose names are literally Frog and Robo. Yeah. I just love how self-aware RPGs typically are and just the the personality that those characters embody and I think with RPGs you need to have great um sub and side characters otherwise yeah it's a slog of an adventure because you're typically spending anywhere from 30 to 80 hours with these characters. And when they're as interesting as characters like Robo, Marl, frog, and some of the many other cast members that you fight alongside and meet in the game. Um, and even the, the main antagonist Lavos, you know um, there's just so much to like about this game. And I think with a game that's already, you know, picture perfect in terms of, um, character design with the Toriyama doing the characters, music that's absolutely spectacular, the battle system that had its unique taste or twist on turn-based mechanics. Um, you know, it's already such a terrific game, but when you have an all-star cast of characters, it makes it that much better.
0: Yeah. So. <clears throat> no, it was fun from what I played through so far. Mm-hmm. I got to Frog. Got him. You can name him whatever you want. Frog is, of course, what I chose.
1: Yeah, you can't change that.
0: Yeah, I didn't get to Robo. I So, like, you go back in the past... And then some shit happens. And then I think I'm in the future. Mm-hmm. I want to say. I don't know what year. I think your year 1000 is your base point. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the past. And I'm at like 1200. So the second little portal thing. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like a wasteland. But yeah, it's... One, the art style is great. But the character development, it's... I I relate well to like a Goku kind of character. Mm-hmm. Like the spiky hair... And like, just time traveling.
1: I've done that a few times in my life. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. Did you impart some wisdom into your younger, well, I mean,
0: self? I, I used to relate more to like the frog, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then I matured and now I feel a little bit more like a robot. I kind of yeah. just
0: <laughs> yeah sit there. Well, I'm not that mature. I'm more of the chrono. Okay, yeah, middle I'm the still road. A human.
1: Once you hit, once you peak at thirty, Ryan, you'll be a robot. Yeah, you know. 30's the new, live forever because you're a robot. That's right. That's right. Um, Another game here, of course, how could I not mention a game that could be argued was the game that got me really invested in this hobby at a very young age, and that, of course, is the OG Pokemon Red, Yellow, and Blue. Yes. You're introduced to this young boy named Ash or whatever you choose to name the character. I'm sure I named him Rusty back in my original copy of Red. And you're introduced to this wonderful world of Pokémon, as Professor Oak says at the outset of the adventure, and you're thrust into this world with 151 incredibly varied and unique creatures. That not only do you get to collect and enslave, train, battle, keep in these little tight balls that they can't get out of unless you choose to get release them. Um, But not only, yeah, so you get to collect these creatures, trade them with your friends, battle them with your friends, evolve them. And it's, it's basically like they're your pets, you yeah. know, and you grow with them and you get to overcome obstacles like eight different gym ba- gyms that you go to and fight various different uh, trainers and gym leaders. And evil organizations. Team Rocket. Um, but I just think I'd be remiss without mentioning Pokemon because I think anyone that grew up in the 90s and even at the tail end of the 90s that played the first or second generation of Pokemon those two generations of Pokemon are so special because I feel like anything outside of that is where you get a little bit questionable in design choice. Um, I, I mean, I think the first three generations are great, but I think the first one and even the second were just so, such a novel concept. Yeah, and it goes without saying, you know, after Pokemon, you had games like Digimon, Monster Rancher. Now you have Yokai Watch. Even games that aren't necessarily built around Creature um, catching. You have games like Final Fantasy XIII too that really revolved around that mechanic of your third party member was a Cactar or some Final Fantasy-like creature that you collected and used for your own bidding in battle, like a Chocobo or Ninokuni. Um, uh, the the first one. You have these mm-hmm. things called familiars that you use in battle as well. It's a it's it basically created its own mechanic within RPGs, and I think that's and Pokemon was the first one to do that. I believe so. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, I think Pokemon came out in 96. Digimon, the first Digimon game, I think, came out in 97, if I'm not mistaken. And then Monster Rancher quickly followed on the PS1. Um,
0: Monster Rancher. That sounds really familiar.
1: Yeah. It's it's just a terrific series. And I think while the mechanics are tough to play now, because we're kind of spoiled with the experience share, bikes roller skates and things that make traversing these worlds quicker. Yeah. I think there's really something special about the original that still stands the test of time when you play it. Over oh, here. Sure. I
0: remember seeing this, Monster Rancher.
1: Yeah. One of the guys looks like Mike Luzowski. Yeah. This was a TV show. It was, yeah. Right? I remember the dog. I liked him. Good stuff. Yeah. The other one that I want to talk about, I talked about with uh, Story, I believe, um, but that's Final Fantasy IX. Again, you're... Kind of thrust into this world that I don't want to say screams Disney, but it's definitely far different than what we'd seen in the more lifelike characters in Final Fantasy VII and VIII. But you have this likable teenager Zidane or Zidane as the main protagonist, who I think from the very outset of the game is likable and relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he meets and begins flirting um, the equally likable Princess Garnett, it just you really get lost in this this journey and this this RPG. Um, One of my favorite characters in all of video games is the endlessly lovable Vivi, who is this little black mage that struggles with his own identity because he feels emotions while other black mages do not. So he thinks he's like an outcast or an outlier or something's wrong with him because he actually has to feel and process his emotions when other mages don't. So he's just a fun little guy. It's, It's almost like... A young boy going through puberty because he's discovering his himself for the first time you know he's, yeah. he's things are changing he's having to adapt to this new self that he's becoming and i think that makes for a game that came out 19 years ago as well um that character development is really pretty cool um one of the other characters i really like because Zidane actually refers to him as rusty which i thought was really wild so i just naturally took a liking to him, because that's my name, and that's Steiner. He is this Captain Knight who, um, early on in the game, just has this really hard-ass, prideful persona, but by the end of the game, he he really softens up, because he really only confides in Vivi earlier on, but by the end, um, he's just undeniably likable and just has this respect for the rest of the cast of the characters as well. Um, so Steiner's really great, and then other quick ones that I wanted to mention, um, Quina or Quinwa is just this ridiculous little character that's overweight, loves to eat, and his mentor literally sent him on a quest to find out that there's more to life than food. And that's when he bumps into Zidane and goes on this adventure with him. How do you spell it? It's Q-U-I-N-A. Okay.
0: Let's see. Quina Quin. <laughs> He's a little chef hat. Yeah, Uh, super adorable. Yeah, creepy looking. It looks like a lick of tongue with like a Mr. Mime slash Snorlax. Yeah,
1: Yeah, so have some sweet dreams about that tonight. That's terrifying. But no, great cast of characters. Again, so well-rounded and so varied that... um, And no one is like stoic from beginning to end. There's definitely a development in each character and each has their moments in the game that really shine. So again, I never finished Final Fantasy IX, which is a travesty. I really need to go back and probably play it on Vita so I can play it portably. I think I already have it downloaded on my Vita, actually. Um, or on PS4 to play it on the big screen, because I think they up the graphics just a smidge, maybe. If nothing else, there's trophy support. But Final Fantasy IX is a great little game. If you've not played it, I think it's a great starting point for JRPGs, because it's not super JRPG yeah. as far as mechanics. It's pretty bare-bones like a Dragon Quest, where it's turn-based. Yeah, you have your magic and combat abilities, but it's not to the point where it's like persona, where it's just like, yeesh, this is a steep learning curve. Yeah,
0: JRPGs are a very niche, or like it's a very you have to learn how to like them. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of Pokemon as a JRPG, really, but
1: you don't it, really. You yeah. didn't think of it as an RPG, you know? Mm-hmm. But it technically is. Yeah, it's when you get into like
0: the. The world's gonna end because an evil, like evil overlord, or just like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where you're
1: like, "Wow, this is heavy shit." Yeah, yeah. Uh, this last one here is interesting because, for someone that really couldn't give a lick about stories and games, um, and before the Anthem days, of course, BioWare did a hell of a job of telling the space opera through dozens of characters that you would grow attached to, like Garrus, Tally, Miranda. Yeah. And of course, the one that you create and play as, Commander Shepard, and that's Mass Effect. Yeah. So I never got into this series until just before Mass Effect 3 was coming out. And I played through the entire trilogy back to back to back because I waited for 3 to come out. And I also waited for the trilogy to come out on Xbox 360. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this game is that with such a wide cast of characters, there's some characters that you can choose to have die in the first one to make sacrifices for you or that you have to sacrifice in order for others to survive that may carry into game two for others, but they don't for you. So I think to have that wide spectrum of possibility that completely alters the experience for other players, one, I don't even know how that goes into game making and design because you have to think of so many variables. Yeah. But I think Bioware did it so perfectly so perfectly um i think across all three games i know the ending to three was kind of abrupt and uneventful for most but i just think that for again very much like final fantasy 9 for such a wide cast of characters and to each have a very personal story that commander shepherd you controlling this character male or female can either choose to really learn that about that character's past present and where they want to go moving forward or you can have much more confrontational relationships with them where they really don't like you, you really don't like them or you just don't associate with the person. Yeah. Um but I think really investing in the characters, going on all the side missions, doing your best so that all of them survive the the craziness that happens at the end of Mass Effect 2 um and even a little bit of 3 is just so fun and rewarding. Um I just love the side quests in in all of the games. One in particular reminded me of Halo um driving around the whatever the uh, the vehicle was that you drove around. It played very much like you were driving the... Warthog? The Warthog in yeah. Halo, uh, which I loved. And in Mass Effect 2, one of the most almost therapeutic things I loved doing was mining for materials, or I can't remember what specifically you would do, but you would use the joysticks to have this scanner look for materials. And the music that would play was just something that you'd like fall asleep to. It was very... um it just had this ambient tone to it that was just so soothing. But I loved the Mass Effect games. It's, my gosh, Bioware, you're probably hurting financially because Anthem was just a <clears throat> awful game. And Andromeda was really bad. Andromeda was terrible. It used well, the few resources you have left to remake the original trilogy for current-day consoles. You guys would make so much freaking money from yeah. that. See, I got through most of the first game, and
0: you had to go somewhere for, like, the end portion, Mm -hmm. and it never triggered on my thing. I don't know if it was a glitch or what, but it never allowed me to go there. Oh, no. That sucks. It was either restart or just not play it again, Mm -hmm. so I chose not to
1: restart. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun playing through it and all the choices that you got to make, and having games where the choices actually matter Mm -hmm. is a big thing. And having carry through to three games, yeah, is wild. That's crazy that
1: decisions you make in the first game can have some sort of a butterfly effect impact on the third game is yeah. really pretty
0: cool. I need to go and listen to like a story synopsis because it looked like it was an interesting story.
1: It is. I mean, it has that Star Wars, Star Trek spectacle to it. You know, that's very much a space opera. That I think beginning to end, it's it's a well told story. There's a lot of ups and downs. Uh but is it worth going back and playing either on PS3 or 360 or probably even PC? I think absolutely. Okay. It's a really cool. fun game. So, or series I should say. But that's all I have for characters. All right, battle systems
0: is the last thing?
1: Yes. All right. Do you want to take this on?
0: Yeah, sure. So, I kind of broke it into more what I wanted to see or what I want to see more of moving forward. Okay. Cool. And I think The main system that I think could have a lot of different applications, but it's not necessarily used. I don't know if it's even trade. I think it's trademarked for one specific game, but it's the Nemesis system. Oh, hell yeah. I would love to see this in other applications. I think we talked about like a Pokemon game. Yeah, Pokemon Skyrim. I hope Elden Ring is kind of like this. Mm -hmm. Like where you're in an open world and you take over a city and then other people rise up. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to fend off these people trying to rise in the ranks absolutely I think that's just such a neat concept and for like longevity or for loot or for whatever it just it has so much replayability to it
1: I I 100% agree with you and for a game that came out in what Shadow of Mordor came out in 13 or 14 and that system has not been replicated in anything which is so bizarre to me because it's it's so original but it's also like how the hell has this not been how the hell has this not been done before?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's trademarked
1: or what, but it's such a unique idea. It is because once you have these like little pawns that are little nobodies that you conquer, they mm-hmm. come on your side and they ra- rise different tiers to the point where they're like a war chief or a captain, and they can infiltrate their way into another city, of course, Middle Earth uh, speaking, and just you know take out another captain or war chief, or even better. When you go to overtake that city and you get to the war chief, if they're about to kill you, there'll be this split second cutscene of your buddy coming out of nowhere, chucking a spear through the war chief's face, and he he aids you in battle because you helped him rise the ranks. Yeah. So it's kind of like a pay it forward type mentality that the way the system is created and the way it's configured in the game, you really don't know when you're going to be saved because you might get to that moment and be like, "Please, someone come." And you just get your head cut off, and it's like, nope, no one's coming to save me this time. But those moments that are completely unpredictable, when someone does save you, it's like, oh man, can you just imagine, like, Zapdos is about to kill you, but well, man, then it sounds like an Articuno comes out of nowhere and just takes out your the Zapdos and saves you. Well, like Lieutenant
0: Surge, he talks about the Pokemon War, right? And a lot of it sounds kind of like the Keyblade War. Like there's a war in the past where a bunch of like, a lot of the fathers died. Mm-hmm. I mean, where's Ash's dad? He probably died in the Pokemon War. Yeah. Could you imagine a Nemesis system? I mean, it would be dark. Like, Pokemon's not going to do this. But, like, going through and going through the history of the Pokemon War that led up to different regions, different gyms. And I think the Elite Four is kind of their government, governing body to give the population a drive. Yeah. So imagine, like, even like hunger games kind of style like how it all came to be what it is
1: it'd be so that'd cool. be crazy yeah i don't want what i don't want is the nemesis system to go to a game series that i feel i'm kind of spent and done with but i feel like could probably be fitting as assassin's creed yeah um i feel like that's a series like that would adopt it first just because i want to say they kind of did something like that in odyssey Probably, because... Because there's, like, assassins that come after you. They can take risks with a series like Assassin's Creed, because they know there's a dedicated following to those games, and that if they implemented a mechanic like that, that's somewhat at at its infancy stage. Like, we're going to dip our toe in this territory. Let's see if they bite. And if they do, then in the next Assassin's Creed game, we're going full-on nemesis system. Yeah. Because, I mean, to be fair, Shadow of Mordor borrowed heavily from Assassin's Creed in terms of scaling buildings and just traversing the world, so... Yeah. No, I, I
0: think it could use other applications and I think that they should moving forward. I don't know if it would go in a JRPG. I think that's way western. It is, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But I think it could with be Pokemon it can work, for sure. Yeah, I mean I could see also see it kind of in a JRPG, but I just don't know how it'd be implemented. Like a Final Fantasy. hmm Um And then I think one important thing, um That you like, that Skyrim kind of messes out with in like the battle system. I like its first versus third person kind of feel, but looking back, you're just swinging your sword and there's no real impact your sword hitting. Yeah, if if you see it, it's just like it makes the noise, but there's no like physical staggering or anything like that. Yeah, the physics are really lacking when it comes to you. Like, Dark Souls Two versus Dark Souls Three or even one the thing that makes dark souls 2 crappy in my opinion is that when you hit something there's no physical there's no weight behind it mm-hmm. there's no impact like they do just walk through you swinging a sword at them um and skyrim kind of the same thing i mean you're hitting dragons with a sword but even regular guys there's no real impact to it and i don't know if that's the like first person or the third person, whether they couldn't do that it's limitations. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, I think hit detection is a big thing that can be it's evolved. atmospheric. And like moving forward, just because I think the power and the graphical capability and um, enhancements to audio, I think that could be a huge thing moving forward, especially in games like Elden Ring, Elder Scrolls Six, um, these big. You know, RPG adventures that are very medieval based. Yeah, and like God of
0: War, you felt that axe going into someone. Yeah. Like there was a lot of impact to the guys. Like when you hit someone, you felt like you hit them. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Skyrim works, and it's like the gameplay itself and the systems with magic and archery and all that. But if it had some more hit detection or weight behind it i think it would make it that much better yeah no i agree completely um as far as like live action versus like turn-based i'm not a huge fan of turn-based i think the only place that it really works for me is in like a pokemon game yeah where you have specific characters um ninokuni was kind of a live action it Kingdom was action hearts. yeah mm-hmm. um yeah i i I don't know. It slows down. I think I could do it as a kid, the turn base, but now it's the patience if I, isn't yeah. there. No, if I, I'm, I'm sitting I down for 45 minutes to an hour and a half.
1: Turn based is it's really slow. That's why I really like like Final Fantasy 13 because you have this meter that is increasing for each character, and so you can choose to attack and press Y before the meter reaches its full capacity because if you want to stagger a foe right away, you can press the Y button and just go and attack before the meter's full. So yes, it's turn-based, yes. but it's also, there's some variability to the word turn-based. It's I would say it's more action turn-based, if you will. Yeah. Um, plus the paradigm shift thing, mechanic, as I'll get into here at the battle system, it makes for a more interesting turn-based system. Okay. And so I think just finding ways to tweak that very archaic system of just like, Attack, you attack, they attack, you attack. And it's just like this ping-pong battle of people fighting. yeah um, Finding ways to make that interesting is challenging, but I think it can still be done. Yeah, I like to
0: see different spins on the kind of main uh, types of battle systems. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have to tweak it and make unique, and Nemesis was just such a unique way from its foundation up mm-hmm. that, yeah, tweaks to turn base or tweaks to live-action. It's important. yeah. So, if you want to get into years,
1: so battle system, I think I have a couple here. Skyrim, it goes without saying. I think what that game, and even Oblivion and War, when what it did for to first person RPGs in terms of, again, you can have a axe and axe and sword, or whatever you want to do. You can have a giant sword or dual weapon axe and sword. You can be a mage and fight from long distance. You can have a bow and arrow and fight from long distance. I think that that freedom to kind of play as you want, however you want, um, is wonderful. I love it. Uh, But to your point, Ryan, I think finding a way to take it to the next level with hit detection will be a lot more satisfying. Yeah, It'll make the combat more satisfying. Um, But yeah, I just love that first person being right up with the other person, just hacking and slashing at them while they're hacking and slashing at you, whether you have shields or not. And it's funny just because... When I played Oblivion for the first time, I thought it was a clunky, stupid mess. I'm like, why would anyone want to play a game like this yeah. where you're swinging while they're equally swinging at you in real time? It just seemed nonsensical to me. But now it's one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah.
0: So. And there's one special thing about Oblivion where... If you decided to be a mage, I don't know if you had to do the mage skill or whatever, but you could actually make your own spells, which they took out in Skyrim. Oh, really? So you can make these overpowered spells. They used a lot of magicka, but, I mean, after by the end of the game, you're pretty overpowered. Yeah. And you could just throw these fireballs that blew up like half of Tamriel. That's awesome. Or like that main city. Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: I blew up the marketplace so many times.
0: But, like, <laughs> everyone was pissed at me.
1: I'm looking forward to playing Oblivion again on my PC at some yeah. point. Probably, I don't know. That might be a game for winter as well. Like when it's snows on the ground, we have the the blinds open, just seeing the snowfall. Nice cup of coffee or tea. Yeah, going through the world of Oblivion again. Oh, for sure, that'd be good times. Uh, next one I have is Final Fantasy Thirteen. I've talked a lot about it on the podcast today. I talked a little bit about the Paradigm system last week. I don't think I did it justice, so I'll kind of quickly hopefully quickly kind of talk through what it actually is. Um, After the first hour or two of the game, once you actually unlock the ability to shift paradigms is when it becomes a lot more interesting and a lot less spamming the A button and I would say more strategy, action, rhythm game. Um, And so you have these different roles that each character kind of specializes in. And those being commando, which is a more offensive, non-elemental attack, Ravagers more elemental magic, which helps raise the enemy's chain gauge, so you can actually like stagger them quickly. Yeah. Um, What are the other ones? Sentinel is basically a tank that'll draw attention of the enemy to you, so other party members can heal. Medic, of course, just heals. Synergist and Saboteur are interesting because they perform status enhancements to you, whether it's um, protection or helping your attacks have more power against the enemy just basically elemental status enhancements is it
0: worth it to do that because usually i see that type of class is like a waste of one of my characters
1: yeah so it's critical in some battles because the attacks of particular enemies like in the instance of um i want to say bartholomew but whatever the heck his (laughs) name whatever the heck his name was um you needed to switch to this um Heroes charge or whatever the heck the paradigm name was so that um hope could cast veil on your characters which is kind of a protective spell yeah while lightning was doing her medic thing she was healing everyone and fang was still attacking the enemy um in sentinel you want against these types of enemies because you might need two party members to be healing everyone because everyone's in poor shape and the sentinel will just kind of act like this giant as I said earlier, tank that takes the brunt of the force of the enemy um, because they're kind of distracting them, saying hey, hit me, while using buffs for themselves so they're they're not losing colossal amounts of damage. And so that gives you 5-10 seconds to heal the whole party and then shift back to a different paradigm that's either Relentless Assault or a mix of Healing and Assault.
0: Is it a pause between paradigm shifts or do you have like uh, like Paradigm 1, Paradigm 2, where it automatically shifts all your
1: characters. No, so you literally have to press the trigger button, and you have you have three predetermined paradigms when you first get the system, mm-hmm. but you can actually go in and customize those to your liking. So if you want everyone to be a commando or everyone to be a medic, medic, um, you can do that if you'd like, but you want to be strategic in the fact that they're named different things. So if you have a commando, ravager, and... I think a synergist, or maybe maybe it's commando and two ravagers. That's like relentless assault, okay. And so that's like basically an all-out attack.
0: Yeah. When you say, but like you're going from the two healers and the tank guy, and like the dude who buffs you. Mm-hmm. When you switch paradigms, is it like you switch everyone to like a predetermined loadout that you already made, or mm-hmm. do you have to? Yeah,
1: go so you away? have. You can customize as many as three, I think, to six paradigms. Okay. So you those are preset. So it's a quick shift Yeah so it's about one and a half seconds So once you press the trigger button You switch to dual casting Or whatever new paradigm you want to switch to The camera shifts to your characters Changing roles And it's just like a little wacky movement They're like trying to change the tide of battle Or whatever yeah. generic thing they say And they shift And then they the camera goes back to the enemy And then you keep doing what you're doing Okay That's cool it's really, like I said, it's more of a strategy rhythm game than it is like your turn-based action RPG, yeah. if you will. Um, so yeah, Final Fantasy Thirteen. if I haven't talked it up enough, play it. It's amazing. Kingdom Hearts, of course. I can't go... I can't talk about battle systems and not talk about one of my favorite action RPGs of all time. I would say one at the time just because um, it could be played relatively mindlessly, just yeah, kind of hacking and slashing. A button. As long as you weren't fighting someone like Sephiroth or Xehanort, not Xehanort, but Um Xemnas. Xemnas. Um, then yeah, when you're going through Wonderland or Agrabah, you can kind of just mindlessly grind your way through and get to level 99 if you so choose. Um, Actually, I think it
0: was Xehanort in the first one. Xemnas was 2 because that's when you put the black robe on.
1: Dude, I don't know. Remember stories? There's a bunch of, of dudes with white hair. Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yeah. um, but even more so in two and three, because two became much more acrobatic in the movements of Sora, Donald, Goofy. And yeah. then three was just all out craziness where you're shooting rockets and jumping you're on, on carnival rides. Jumping on carnival rides and boats and water and doing all kinds of wild stuff. Zooming around on a Lion King. Sure. Yeah. We'll add that to that list of things you can do in Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> but it just makes for a much more chaotic yet fun action rpg yeah so it was a good time yeah i loved as much as i didn't like i don't know, I say didn't like after i had some Use time your to, words
0: carefully spartan <laughs> after, may
1: be the last as a gamer <laughs> okay. after i had some time to digest three i was like eh, it didn't meet expectations really i don't know how i feel about it but now that i'm far removed from playing it um it was a really really good game yeah, it was fun, and I'm looking forward to going back and playing that at some point.
0: Yeah, I got back to the end of Pirates of the Caribbean on my second playthrough. It's still paced like main story elements slow. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense kind of playing it for a second time because you know what people are talking about. Yeah, ish with like the post credits <coughs> and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's still backloaded. But I, I'm excited to have a save that I can, like, right before all of the end chaos, like the maze stuff happens, I'm excited to have a save so I can keep playing through that as many times as I want.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Um, my last game that I have here in terms of battle system, uh, Ryan and I talked a little bit about these games earlier on in the episode. Soulsborne. Mm-hmm. I mean, this series has literally garnered its own battle system and genre in Souls-like, yeah. you know? Um, and for a game series that started with Demon Souls having no idea the impact it would have not only in the game industry but just well I don't want to say game industry but just games themselves because so many other games have borrowed from that yeah um, but it just requires extreme patience and practice but I don't think I've I've yet to play a game series franchise or just singular game where it continually challenges me yet i feel so satisfied after accomplishing a boss like Martelagarius or the twin Prince uh princes or gosh ron you know the names better than i do but any of the bosses in those games like if i ever beat the who's the last guy in dark souls 3 not the lord of cinder but um uh, the uh lord you, of cinder no but the other guy that we talked about earlier in the episode Oh, the unnamed king. The unnamed king. Like, if I ever beat that guy, I swear... even the
0: dude in the ice place where we, like... He wasn't a main boss, but, like, where I countered him. Mm -hmm. And we, like, stabbed him and he kept healing. Before we got to Frida, do you remember that guy? Not really. okay. Maybe you were absent.
1: Probably. Yeah. Certainly mentally.
0: Like, even Frida, her, like, three forms, which you got really
1: close to beating. Gosh, I got so close to that, too. I almost got, like... You were going to pay for, like, any bill that I raised at that, our, our restaurant that we typically go to. Yeah. I was like,
0: I'll treat you to dinner.
1: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've yet to play
0: that and The Unnamed King, I think I had that same standing.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, sure, like I said earlier, you can kind of cheese your way through the game by leveling up considerably before you fight these bosses. But at the end of the day, you can't just charge in there and hack your way to victory because they will f you up if you try and do that like if you the first time
0: you go into the abyss watchers and there's the one dude comes up and then all of a sudden there's a second one and they're both attacking you you're like oh shit and then like you're trying to survive dodging two dudes who are just lunging at you and then a third one pops up and if you don't attack him he starts attacking those other guys you're like what is going on here
1: (laughs) like the fight it's such a unique fight or even in Bloodborne, what is it, The, the Witch of Hemlock? Or Yeah. When, I remember being at your parents' house when you first got Bloodborne, and we were playing through this for the first time, and we were just fighting those other dudes. Yeah. And then we're like, you oh, killed what? one, and then there were two of them, you're like, oh, crap. We're like, oh, what's that? Oh, never mind, it's not there anymore. Because the witch would disappear, and you'd have to go find her and slash her up, and it was like all the eyes of the deceased people that... She had eaten or killed, or, or something. she
0: jumps on you and like tries to carve out your eyes.
1: Yeah, like it's an easy fight, but like at the same time, it's like a unique mechanic. It is because they're not, there's not a sign before you walk into the boss fight that's like, "Hey, make sure you're the little crazy-eyed lady you're killing her, not the other dudes." Or the three shadows in the forest. You
0: have the nightmare with all of its like Nazgul elephant like scythes. Mm-hmm. Um, the final boss is just a treat. Yeah, I think really any hunter fight in Bloodborne is amazing because yeah, you feel like
1: you're fighting yourself mm-hmm. yeah but the biggest thing about these games very much like Skyrim and these other gargantuan RPGs is that it allows the player freedom to play as they want to if you want to play through these, the entirety of these games with a shield and sword by all means go ahead and do so but you can also do it by just fat rolling your way to victory with a, a two handed sword yeah or being a mage or being a cleric mm-hmm. with like miracles
0: Playing a mage build on this uh, Dark Souls three was probably the most fun I've had.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's it's like the a thing. totally
0: unique. You feel like a wizard.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I played each of these games one time through, except for Bloodborne. I beat that game on New Game Plus, but it's just endless possibilities, endless replay value. You find new things each time you figure out that certain bosses are harder the second time you play them than they were the first time or easier the second time because you've already beaten them. Um, and then invading other people's world, getting invaded by other people in your world. It's just such a novel concept and one of my favorite battle systems in terms of third-person third 3rd RPGs in a very, very, very long time. Yeah,
0: I don't know if that the invasion mechanic was the first one to do that. I, I think it probably was where the co-op is not a co-op literally everything in the world's trying to kill you. Yeah, yeah. Including other people.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's such a fun series of games and I always kind of get that itch when I'm either playing Skyrim or I hear people talking about Dark Souls or Bloodborne or I hear new news about the Elden Ring. It's just like gosh, I could go back and play Bloodborne right now. Yeah, or I could heard- go back and play Dark Souls 3 right now. Yeah. And I, I beat Dark Souls
0: 3, I think three or no, Bloodborne three times. So, I was trying to get a platinum trophy on that one. But.
1: I've heard that it's actually not too challenging to do so.
0: No, I was doing like speedrun tactics. I think I'm on my final guy and I'm stuck at the three ghosts. Okay. Yeah. But you just go in after you beat the dog girl, um, you have to go into the DLC and then you can get this chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And this chainsaw is a beast. And then you get like the chunks. So you're super overpowered. Nice, and it helps a lot with the bosses and speed running. That's usually the like a run for it.
1: Good stuff. Yeah, you got any more RPG stuff to talk about, Ryan? Um, I have a few things. Because the movie stuff might have to wait till next week because we're at three hours. Movie stuff. You were saying I have some movies on my shelf. Let's see if we can build RPGs around those movies. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. We can leave that stuff for next week. Yeah. Well, it's been a long time coming, Ryan. This new segment of yours this night owl media yes let's get to it so to kind of reframe or uh remind you folks it's been a couple hours since we talked about this i was up late last night thinking of i wasn't really thinking about new segments i was just thinking about <laughs> what the heck i was gonna watch before i went to bed and i was getting anxious about it like i usually do and what the heck do i watch i have so much crap over there that i haven't seen yet and then i was like oh, just gonna watch harry potter and the goblet of fire because oddly i was Wanting to watch the worst Harry Potter movie ever created. Whoa. The Goblet of Fire. <laughs> and so I put that in, and once I saw Cedric Diggory, I quickly turned it off. But all of that to It's s- the best part. <laughs> no. That's why we watch it. <laughs> all of that to say, Robert Pattinson, you beautiful man, you better not do Batman. I think he bailed on Batman, though, for scheduling conflicts. No, don't say that. I, I was getting, like... all You're probably confusing that with Harry Styles that turned down... Uh, Prince Eric and The Little Mermaid. What?
0: I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: Easy confusion. We're moving on. Harry Styles. So, is that One Direction? It- <laughs> I don't know who that is. It's just the Let's name see. is ridiculous. I created a new segment called Night Owl Media where Ryan will choose something for me to watch, movie or TV series. The only caveat is three seasons or less because we don't want this to not revisit the topic like, we want to revisit the topic every, like, couple of episodes. So the one I picked, it's four seasons, but it's a short fourth season. All right, can't do it. Over the three season
0: limit. All right, then you're gonna... All right. <laughs> that was the happiest of the three things I picked. So. I'm just kidding. What is it? Uh, So I don't know if you liked Castle. I loved Castle. Okay, so this is kind of... It's called Lucifer. And Lauren okay. was watching it, and she loved it. I think my sister and my dad watched that, too. It's great. It's the same kind of dynamic... As like a castle, okay. Between the the main lead woman cop and like the snarky asshole castle guy on the side, who's shouldn't really be there, but he's there, Mm -hmm. and it takes kind of like a like just a spin on it. I think Lucifer is actually in the Marvel universe or DC universe. So this, yeah. So watch Lucifer; it's on Netflix. It's great. It's it's like crime fighting. But that castle dynamic.
1: Awesome, because that's yeah. definitely a show that you can watch in the background. Yeah, definitely. Passively like
0: grinding way. on Final Fantasy or whatever. This is a perfect show.
1: Awesome. Well, I'll probably start that then, um, either with Final Fantasy 13 or even Tales of Vesperia, yeah. uh, because v- Vesperia will be a very big grind game. Yeah. 13, I guess, pretty soon here once I get to the the open world, but. Good stuff. Yeah, I'll restart that, because I finished all four seasons, but if you're going to start it,
0: Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about it eventually, I'll restart it.
1: All right, I'm game. Sounds good. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Less anxiety. Go watch the show about the devil. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Thanks for uh, listening to this podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, Episode 53, Ryan. Yes. Crazy stuff. We're also at two hours and 55 minutes of this crazy show, so hopefully... We haven't done an episode like this in a while. I don't really know if you guys like long episodes, but we did it. So. It's hard
0: not to, answer, or it's hard when we answer questions or we do. I mean, we did lots of news stuff at the beginning, mm-hmm. but with like a full topic going for such a long time.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely it's, a lot of time on our hands. One to prep for our Sunday shot. I mean, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I have to edit this, then meal prep, and go to bed. Well,
0: yeah, it's. I if you guys like main topics. Like RPGs or whatever, let us know. Um, they tend to be longer, and I know our original quiz said like two hours is a good length for yeah. most people.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, just let us know. Yeah, definitely. And so yeah, if you perform the more topic-focused episodes or kind of when Ryan and I just the talk about shit. whatever the heck we want to talk about... Um, Hopefully both lead to interesting discussion, entertaining episodes, entertaining rides to work, if you will. Uh, But thank you, seriously, for listening. If you wrote it into the podcast uh, via Instagram, Logan, I know you wrote in. ChronoLink9 came in real strong. Ryan, anyone else write in? Page, Page, Fem Trooper. And Travis,
0: we read his text.
1: That's right. Hopefully your daughter continues to love the world, the magical, wonderful, exciting world of Pokemon, Travis. The
0: world that we wish we
1: lived in. That's right. The world we one day will live in, Ryan. Yes. genetic mutations looking like a Pikachu.
0: <laughs> All right. Can you imagine if it, like, we mutated a rat to the point that it like shot electricity and killed shit? That would be pretty That intense. would be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Let's
1: not do that. Yeah. Let's keep doing this podcast, though. Okay, that sounds like a solid alternative. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with a topic we don't know yet. Thank you for listening to Otaka Brothers. Ryan, any parting words? Have a good week. Stay safe. Stay classy, America and world,
0: if you're not in America. This is a great ending. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) What's going on? Later.